the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, as we uh, start to ramp down this general session, figure next week sometime we may see the end of this. Might do it. Uh, yep. yeah, who's in, who knows? Uh, there's a yeah. few bills that are still floating around. Uh, the Internet sales tax bill is still out there. Hasn't um, gotten the traction it needs to get the votes it needs. And it mm-hmm. comes down to car wash. Yeah, it's kind of stalled in the House end right now. So. And it's all about car washes. So... So if I understand it correctly, this bill is kind of a conglomerate of several different things. Yeah. Combined, it's a... That's the only a, way they're going to get the necessary votes so, they need. So if I understand it correctly, it's a it's a corporate tax cut along with an internet tax increase. Mm-hmm. Increase may not be exactly the right word. It's an unconstitutional collection, perhaps. That's not and, unconstitutional anymore. Well, the courts... The, courts the Supreme Court ruled that, last year... That uh, you can have an internet sales tax. It it wasn't law until they changed it. Legislating from the bench, huh? Yeah. And so the so the Supreme Court decided that somehow states can collect sales tax from other states, which I'm not sure how that's going to happen. But regardless, we've got a bill that has a, a conglomeration of corporate tax cuts. Internet sales tax collection schemes and a car wash tax. Yeah, I don't know sort. exactly what the car wash thing was about. I just know That's that if they point. go one way, one half of the uh, car wash uh, businesses are not happy. And if they go the other half, uh, the other way, the other half are not happy. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can get some kind of... Uh, uh, you know, consideration from one side or the other to make uh, make it happen. Hopefully they can't. Yeah, hopefully they can. <laughs> if they don't, then maybe we don't have to put up with an internet sales tax. But I'll be all, I'd be all about that. Uh, Lundstrom sounded like when I heard this morning is that she was going to run that uh, minimum wage bill that she's got, which would. It doesn't get rid of the minimum wage. It doesn't get rid of the additional minimum wage that they're going to put on because of the uh, vote that came up on the last uh, election. However, they might be able to take some people out of the bill and not apply it to them, like right. 16 she's, to she's got a couple different, 18-year-olds and things of that nature. She's got a couple different bills, one that deals kind of with small businesses and nonprofits. And the other one that deals with teenagers. Yeah, so they're basically working hard to try to to kind get of, this taken care of. So at least not kind of every the, small business is going to be hit with this thing. Where by the beginning of next year, it's going to be ten dollars an yeah, hour. Kind of mitigate the damage a little bit and so, try. So we've got we've got. I think I've mentioned before. I've I've got a tenant that has had a hard time finding work over the last few years. I think it's gotten worse with the minimum wage increase. Her her 
her working skills are not that great. Her, her working abilities are not that great. And so she's, you know, a few years ago, I think she was kind of on the edge. And now with the with the sales ta- or the in- uh, sorry with the uh, minimum wage increases, I think she's pretty much priced out of a job at this point. Because until until the uh, the congressional uh, boys up on the hill in Washington D.C. decide. They're going to give everybody in the states wage. a living wage. Mm. Okay. And we thought inflation was bad before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> stupid. Just stupid stuff. But, uh, the, the, you know, the bottom line, things are starting to wind down a little bit. Uh, what happened uh, early last week dealing with uh, the state and Arkansas Works and that you can't force people to work if you're going to give them some form of government assistance. Uh, that's going to have to work its way now to the Supreme Court. And they've put us back in 2013 now, which means that, uh, you know, well, everybody just go along and say, okay, we understand what's going on here. We can't make them work. We'll just do what we have to do to get uh, and, and, and force this way through the courts as quickly as possible because it's not even our state that's going to decide this. Uh, we're not the ones that are going to bring, you know, um, the lawsuits. To, it's actually the to it's go. Actually, it is the federal government. It's, it's the Trump. The Trump administration has it's to do it. Lawsuit, kind of on behalf of several states. Is that kind of how well? That works? Right now, so, it's just us in Kentucky. Okay. So we'll just have to see what's going to happen there. Right, so we we can't. We're not really the ones who make the decision. No, I I forgot. What J.R. Davis, what was the exact word that he used uh, for our status? We're kind of Yeah, I can't remember the word he used either. It's it inner a, something. I can't remember what it was all about. But we're, we're the people that are trying to get, you know, this started where we can make people work uh, to, to get uh, Medicaid. Um, if if they're if they're able to work, I mean, it makes sense to me that maybe, we do that. Maybe but, a little less bad. And if I don't know if did you hear did you hear the interview? You were there at the studio. I don't know if you got to hear uh, the lieutenant governor talking about the lawyer that had been in that position before the gentleman who was there then, and he said if this had come up to the other gentleman, it would. You know, we would have been just moving right along. Oh, yeah, but yeah, this, yeah, yeah. This judge now was a, an Obama, Obama appointee. appointee, and so um, you know he, you know, if it has anything to do with work, he doesn't want to do anything. All right, so we got Matthew uh, Mamoser with us. He is the Northwest Regional Director with the uh, National uh, Association for Gun Rights. He's here in uh, Central Arkansas today. And he's been going around and visiting some of the uh, legislators and talking to them. And, and uh, Matt, welcome to Arkansas, where you can have a supermajority of, uh, of uh, Republicans who are supposedly gun rights advocates, but you can't get squat passed. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that seems to be uh, somewhat common in, in some states. I don't understand what... Why do you think that they they're they're holding back on that? I I don't understand. 
Um, it's hard for me to really uh, contemplate why they're holding back if they are open Second Amendment supporters. Uh, to me, the only reason they would be holding back is uh, maybe because others are uh, influencing that emotional rhetoric and they are kind of uh, getting drawn into the thinking with their emotions rather than the logical, rational side of so, so, in other words, they're, they're listening to mothers against guns instead of listening to the people out here who actually have the guns. Um, that could very well be. Um, I'm not saying that's exactly what's happening, but, you know, to me personally, I don't understand how somebody can not only say they're an advocate for gun rights and then not support gun rights, but... Um, to me, it's kind of ridiculous to place accountability or any kind of moral stature on an object. Are you, see, are you seeing anything? I mean, as you talk to these folks, are they talking a good game or are they not talking a good well, game? Well, in my opinion, the, the reason they're in office is because they talk a really good game. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. So they're talking a really, a really good game, but their walk is not backing up their talk. Um, a lot of them, you know... Sometimes they're not even walking. They're just kind of holding still and kind of acting like they just want to get reelected and not really defending rights. They're not really trying to fix any of the issues. Uh, you know, they're uh, typical American politics. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's common in several states that they just like to kick the can down the road and, you know, keep their, their reputations in line. Keep the status quo. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you a little bit about the organization. I'm, I'm not terribly familiar with it. I'm just so y'all are all about the right to keep and bear arms. Do y'all kind of follow other issues as well, or do you kind of focus pretty pretty precisely on? We are a single issue organization. Uh, the Second Amendment is our only issue that mm-hmm. we advocate for um, on a legislative level. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there are other issues that uh, we, as individuals and as an organization, agree with, but right. Being that we are not only registered 501c4 as well as um, titled a gun rights organization, right. that that is strictly what we That's try what to concentrate on. There are a few other issues that are kind of um, tied up into the issue of, of, of gun rights. For instance, a lot of times people will want to, um, like the, the gun privilege thing is, is kind of a violation of both the Second Amendment and the Fourth Amendment. Both of those are tied together. Basically, they, they make you give up your Fourth Amendment rights if you wish to exercise your Second Amendment rights. And so, that, so, so those two issues are kind of tied together with some of the gun rights issues. Uh, are, are you talking about the red flag well, some, issues? Well, some, of that, could, some of that could be red flag issues or, for instance, a lot of times if you have some of the Class Three weapons um, permits, they end up making you um, give up your Fourth Amendment rights. They can search your home. Without any kind of, and so, so there's some organizations will focus on one issue and then just kind of ignore the other issues. I'm assuming y'all are a little more careful with that. Uh, we do try to be careful, but obviously, if you're talking about you know suppressors stuff like that, mm-hmm. we support those. Those are those are firearms accessories. Right, they are a part of a firearm when they are connected to a firearm. Right, um, and quite honestly, uh, an accessory is not a firearm, so it shouldn't be regulated whatsoever mm-hmm. um you know and i'm i'm on the fence of uh, even regulating you know background checks or anything like right. that myself because uh, let's let's face facts crim- criminals aren't asking permission to commit crimes right well and the thing is we don't should we ever do background checks on rights 
Well, uh, that that that's a good point. That's a good question because uh, effectively, if you're asking somebody or mandating somebody to get a background check, then you're compromising a right and creating a privilege out of it. Right. Um, which is where we are. We're against anything that changes the right to keep and bear arms to a privilege granted by a government. Right, and so that and that's, and that's kind of where we need to be: is recognize, is this a right or is it a privilege? You know, yep. I, I have a privilege to marry somebody. I can't just go out and marry someone against their will. So I have to actually obtain the privilege from their consent, if you will. But I don't have a right. Yeah. Now, in relation to the government, it might be a right because they don't have. I don't have to get permission from the government, or I shouldn't have to get permission from the government. But from the person themselves, I would have to get permission from them. Um, but for things such as speech or the right to keep and bear arms or many many other things, it should be, it's a right. I don't need to ask anybody permission for this because it's not a privilege. It's a right. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more. So one of the reasons that you're here in Arkansas is you're checking up on red flag laws is what I had heard. Is that correct? Um, that is uh, one of our main issues. Um, it is probably one of our biggest fights this this session in uh, most states that are introducing it. It it really does take a front seat to uh, any other of our issues. So, 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 of course, the red flag law that was being uh, run here in our uh, Senate died a terrible, fiery death. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, was good as far as I'm concerned. Uh, explain, we got a few minutes here. Explain to the listeners what is the main problem with red flag laws. Well, it's, it's not only that it is placing the accountability on the firearm, but now it is creating an issue where innocent people can have their firearms seized, have their property searched illegally, have their firearms seized illegally, they never even committed a crime. All because somebody supposes or accuses them uh, uh, simply from an accusation that that they are somehow a danger without already doing something dangerous. And uh, quite honestly, that's not even the Second and Fourth Amendment that we've already talked about. You're talking about violating the Fifth and Sixth Amendment and also the Fourteenth Amendment. I mean, these are multiple different God-given rights that are being trampled on with one law. Yeah, because the bottom line is uh, you don't get to go see and stand in front of the judge on these particular laws. They come in and they'll take your firearms from you and then say, well, we're going to give you your opportunity before the judge, but later exactly. it will happen later it, well exactly and that's and that's just another one of the egregious outcomes is you're putting placing people into costly court battles when they've done nothing wrong i mean that that is that is a violation of of all of those freedoms well, one of the one of the concerns i have about it i actually spoke against the bill in the committee the other day when it ran so one of my big concerns about it is that i don't have assurance of accountability for those who lie and, and basically use the government to swap people with yeah. with this system. So that basically someone could potentially come in and lie and have your guns taken away from you temporarily. But I don't have enough – I'm not seeing good evidence that we can rely upon the government to hold these liars accountable for their criminal acts. 
Um, well, for one, uh, people who are willing to commit crimes in order to hurt people aren't going to care whether they're lying. So, I mean, you're going to have these this legalized swatting like you just talked about, but um, you're, you're also going to risk having um, abusive ex-partners mm-hmm. and stalkers using this law to have people disarmed that are trying to protect themselves from the criminals. So the criminals can use this against innocent people to have them disarmed and and create a, a even more vulnerable victim out of these people. And I mean, I, th- I think that just goes even farther uh, because, quite honestly, in my opinion, the Second Amendment um, and and you know, being a conservative, I believe that the the most significant minority in the country is the individual. Yeah. So if you take the individual's ability to protect themselves away from them, then then you're automatically, you know, regardless of how you're doing it, you're giving the benefit of the doubt to criminals. Right. And so that's a, that's a kind of a serious problem because, you know, if someone's so dangerous we can't trust them with guns, why do we trust them to walk around free? Well, I mean, that that's true. I, I've said that about a number, number of different issues. If somebody right. has to uh, register with the government to live in society, then they might not be safe enough to right. live in society. Right. That's a good, that's a good <laughs> point because, you know, that's that's one of the excuses that people often use to to justify background checks. Is that you know we've got so many people, so many criminals, dangerous criminals. The government has turned loose. Wait a minute. Let's stop right there. The government turned loose dangerous criminals, and they know they're walking around out there. Therefore, we have to violate everyone's rights. Why don't we stop letting dangerous criminals loose? If we know they're dangerous criminals, why are they taking up good air? Um, well, uh, unfortunately, that's that's part of the actual common sense argument that they <laughs> that they claim they want to have. But unfortunately, when you get down to the common sense, it, it's not only that, but the principles of common sense. The it's the same as as pens can't. Sp- misspell words cars cannot drive drunk right i don't give credit to louisville slugger when i see my favorite batter hit a home run so why should i say that a gun is responsible for this violence and these crimes it, it, to me it's ridiculous it's people yeah, All right. yeah exactly it's the decisions and behaviors of the individuals controlling those and yeah matthew's yeah. going to be with us uh, here for a little bit we're going to sit and talk to him some more about uh his organization and uh, about guns in general when we come back on the Dave Hello Show. All right, we've got just a couple of minutes before we got to the news. Are you in a big hurry to get anywhere, or can we hold you over into the next half hour? Um, well, I do have some stuff to do. I'll try to stick around as long as I can. Okay, well, we'll we may be able to keep him for one more segment. That works. Try to do that and, and talk to him. You had a question for him before. Oh, we so so how many people are actually members of this organization? National Association for Gun Rights has about 4.5 million members nationwide. Okay. So how, how does a person become a member? Um, they can go to www.nationalgunrights.org and check out what we're about. And if okay. you like us and the fact that we're a no-compromise Second Amendment organization, you can become a member cool. right there. So um, how much does it cost? Um, uh, well, we take donations. It, it just depends on how much you want. If you want an actual membership card, okay. I believe the price is still $30 a year. Okay. So. All right. And mm-hmm. do you all kind of send out newsletters, or how does that? Uh, we send out, we try to send out regular letters, just informative-wise. We'll uh, put together actual newsletters uh, at least once a year. Okay. Um, the last couple of years, I believe, we've gotten spring and fall newsletters. Okay. 
Um, and we also have state groups that we do newsletters for, uh, a few state groups, not a, not a whole lot, not in every state. But, so you know. what, what, is that, what does that money mostly go towards? Um, well, being that we are a 501c4, uh, most of that money goes towards the grassroots effort of defending the Second Amendment. Cool. So you, you come to capitals like this all across the country advocating for gun rights? Yes. I was actually just at the Oklahoma Capitol last month helping that constitutional carry bill get nice. passed up. So. Very good. All right. Well, we're going to keep you here. We'll come back and we'll talk about some of the work that's going on. Uh, you're with the Northwest Region which Arkansas isn't part of, the South S, uh, Southeast Regional uh, uh, Director is working in Alabama, and I think you said in Florida, right? Um, he's got stuff going on right now in Alabama. Uh, I think Tennessee might be slowing down a little bit, but also Florida. All right, here's the news. Our guest, Matthew uh, Mamoser, is with us, the uh, Northwest Regional Director for the National Association for Gun Rights. Uh, typically, he's in one of those real hot spot gun-loving states like Oregon or Washington State. But, <laughs> or Colorado. Uh, he's, now, he's now here. Yeah, that's a sad thing to say about Colorado. I remember when Colorado was a very gun-friendly state, and that's changed over the last 10, 12 years. Did, did, did a bunch well, of the granola folks move from um, California? Um, I, I think so, and and it's it's a little more disheartening and sad for me being a Colorado native, yeah, and still a resident. So, so you're you're a, a Colorado resident. You yep. grew, grew up there. Yep. Has it changed a lot? Oh yeah. And see, that's what's happening in Texas. They got so many people coming from yeah. uh, California into Texas that uh, they're having problems now down there. You know, the Californians come over and want to escape from high taxes, but then they bring all their other BS with them. Well, and, and Texas also has it. also has some very, very large cities. And people that are moving come to you. I think I think that's a big a big influence as well. But I think I I think that people tend to change their ideologies. When they live close together, because your your values change. People have vehicles in their front yards. They have projects they're working on. Their uh, stuff is life is kind of messy sometimes, but we get along with that because we don't. We're not there to have a, a manicured lawn. Whereas a lot of people in the city, they want a nice lawn, and so I think that sort of mindset changes with people in, in the big cities. And a lot of times, people people move to the areas. And they want to, and they bring their ideas with them. Well, well like I want to go ahead. Yeah, back yeah. On that? Um, what I've noticed, uh, uh, my uh, my father's family is actually a big example of this. Is a lot of times when the population rates get really big and the crime rates start to go up, those conservatives have move a tendency out. to move out. And yeah, I, I make the joke that uh, my grandparents were the last conservatives to move out of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> so. See, I grew up outside of Chicago. I'm, I'm originally yeah. born and raised in northwest Indiana. It's really interesting to look at a completely different viewpoint of two states. You go to Illinois, the gun laws are restrictive crazily. You go to mm-hmm. Indiana, it's just the opposite. Yeah. You've got, the, you've got the kind of conservative people. In fact, have, the people in, in Chicago blame the people in Indiana 
for the guns that are in their city. <laughs> well, uh, that's a that's funny because there was a study just I think it was last year about the uh, Baltimore crime rates and all their guns, and they found that over ninety percent of all their guns involved in crimes originated in Baltimore. Uh-huh. So um, I'd like to see the you know studies. Oh, I'd like to see the studies as well. Because if that yeah. if that translates to other cities, then um, then it is a huge support for the idea that uh, more guns equals less crime. Oh, and it's, it's of course at the end of the day that John Lott told us that about that a long, long time ago. Yep. And at the end of the day, it is a people problem. It's not a gun problem. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, uh, said earlier, a couple of seconds, yeah, just a little bit while ago. Yeah, it's, it's it's the uh, where the accountability is placed, and where mm-hmm. you, you can't place accountability or a moral stature on an object. It's no, and you, and you shouldn't because the, at the end of the day, a gun is a piece of piece of metal and plastic, depending well, on what kind of gun you have. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And um, you know, before I got into politics, I got, actually got a psychology education, and what I've always tried to tell people is if if you place accountability and moral stature on the object, you're taking that accountability off of the person, oh, which is absolutely. only right. going to influence them right. to do more. Yeah. Right. right. And that's, it's, it's, that's, there's moral implications to doing what you're talking about, yeah. because it, it, it does indeed, I think, probably warp a person's moral compass when they're afraid of being caught because they owned something rather than being caught because they did something to hurt someone else. Exactly. And, and it, it, in my opinion, it degrades the value of life that people are placing. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting perspective because it, it really is. An, it's a life issue because when we take away someone's liberties, we're taking away their life on some level. Well, like especially if you're taking away their ability to protect their right. life. You may literally be taking away yeah. their life. Could, yeah. could very well literally be doing that. All right. We just got about four, five minutes here left with Matthew. I, I told him we would keep him very long here in the second half hour. But let me just ask you to take us into some of these other states uh, in the south, I know that you're the northwest uh, regional director, but we can all guess uh, what your fight is like in Oregon and California and in Washington State. They're not the most open areas uh, to gun rights. Yeah. But, you know, when we think of Tennessee and we think of Alabama and we think of uh, Florida, we think of states that are, are solidly Second Amendment states, and you're saying that. The fights there are the same fights uh, for many of the cases that we're having right here in Arkansas. Um, yeah, they are very similar. In Alabama, actually, uh, we're uh, shooting to try to get a constitutional carry bill uh, introduced within the next year or so. Uh, hopefully, we'll give them that that right back within the next couple of years. How, uh, how does, as you go in there, I mean, I'm sure you take you got your own ways of determining what the temperature is, what's the appetite for the you know the the people to to pass that type of legislation how is it in alabama alabama strikes me as a very solidly red state um yeah and that's one of the reasons that we are uh, and my counterpart for the southeast region uh, that we're in is actually there right now is because it looks like uh, constitutional carry is ripe for the picking they're they're really supportive of it and it seems like uh we might be able to gain some traction there. Uh, Tennessee, we were in that same boat um, up until recently. It looks like, uh, unfortunately, it might uh, need to be brought back up here uh, next legislative session. Uh, Florida, however, um, because of the Parkland shooting and the uh, nightclub shooting, uh, they implemented their gun control. So our fight there is really defensive, trying to get all of that uh, stuff repealed and then you know hopefully with it we can get some constitutional carry down there as well but um it's 
really our, our main point there right now is to get the actual infringements out of the way. Um, I, I personally think that might be a step to, towards restoring the second. So. Right. So, so in, in Florida, they've got two examples of mass killings. In gun-free zones. In gun-free zones, and in both cases, there were police present. Is that true? Um, I believe there was at the nightclub. The Pulse. Yes, there was. And we all know the debacle that was the Parkland shooting. Uh, anybody who wants to put their, their confidence in government officials after seeing that, to me, is backwards. Right. And so, Absolutely. So we've got two cases of government being present with the responsibility to take care of you, to keep you from being murdered. And they don't do it. They fail. Yeah. Um, well, for one, we like to call gun-free zones criminal safe zones because those are the only people safe in those zones. They're chalk line zones where the yeah, government comes, another, com- comes yeah. in and draws chalk lines around your bodies. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's more ridiculous. I mean, a nightclub isn't – it's ridiculous, but a school where our children are – we want to keep them protected, but we are taking any way to protect them away. I mean, sure. so we could put up a, a tin sign with a sticker on it. Yeah, that's, scare, that's to supposed to protect my children and scare off or some see through uh, backpacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we know that's going to stop all the killers, right? right. And so, so people are willing to t- trust their children with a teacher who they don't trust to carry a gun. You know. If, if you trust someone so well that you would trust your child with them for seven or eight hours a day, wouldn't you trust that person to carry a gun? Um, I would implore them to protect my children in any way they need. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that we actually advocate in this society for our ability to protect our children to be taken away from us. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that is, I mean, that's, that's more immoral. Than, than a lot of the things that we're seeing in society. I mean, you're literally trying to take away mm-hmm. the ability to keep children safe. These are children. Those are, they're they're the the people very... that can't protect themselves. Yeah. I'm sitting here looking at Matthew. and Do you even own a red coat? A, a red coat? A red coat, yeah. <laughs> but you're not female, so you can't be mothers against uh, Oh, no. Guns. I, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you were, you were saying that you find them highly immoral. Explain that, and then I'll let you go. Um, I, I just think personally that it is irresponsible and uh, not respectable to advocate for your own ability to protect your own children be taken away from you. I feel on a hierarchy of who wants to see kids remain safe, obviously it starts with the parents. And I think the hierarchy obviously goes down from family, close friends, and then, like we're talking about just a minute ago, the next people on that hierarchy are the teachers. Yeah. So if those teachers aren't willing to protect my children, I don't know if I want them to be teachers. Right. And you know, the interesting thing is, so moms demand action. So moms want to disarm themselves so they can't protect their children. You know, you know if you're, if you're a 250-pound muscled-up man... And nobody else has guns. You know, you can probably protect your family pretty well unless people gang up on you. The fact is, women benefit from guns probably more than almost anybody else because there are lots of people that are stronger than women. No, and they're equalizers. Guns are guns equalizers. Are equalizers. Yeah, right, ex- right. Exactly. Guns have done more for the feminist movement than yeah, I most mean, females have. Because the fact is that your 16-year-old daughter, if it was legal for her to carry, she could defend herself against any man walking 
around who wants to rape and, and mug her. Well, that's a good point. Um, I can't remember the exact uh, uh, figures, the numbers, but um, with women who don't have an ability to protect themselves, a rape being completed, I believe, is around 90%. But if a woman has the means to protect herself and has a firearm, it drops to around 1%. Wow. That... I know. I know for a fact it's it's, it's much lower. One, one two percent. It's somewhere well, around there. Either way, it's if a woman has a gun, her being raped is almost a non-issue because she can actually defend herself. The fact is, even a small gun, even a twenty-two, can take down a four hundred-pound man. Well, yeah, people underestimate uh, you know the, oh, sure. the power of a tiny little piece of metal moving right. at, at a thousand feet per second exactly. or whatever. It is. <laughs> and at, at the end of the day, you know. There are. I, I'm pretty good sized. There are men out there who can overpower me, and and women really benefit from guns. They really do. It's it's such a a blessing for women to be able to have this that really wasn't available to them a few hundred years ago. Yeah. All right. I promise Matthew we let him out of here. We're having fun, but we gotta let him go. He he says he's got things to do. Matthew uh, Mimoser, Northwest Regional Director. The National Association for Gun Rights. Matthew, again, for folks who are interested now in your uh, uh, organization, where do they go on the Internet to become part? Uh, They can go to www.nationalgunrights.org. All right. It's that easy, not hard. Become a member. I've become a member of every – I'm GOA, I'm NRA. I just learned about uh, national gun rights, so – I'll probably become part of their organization as well. I'll fight it from every angle I can to make sure we can keep our Second Amendment going. So uh, let's take a break, and then uh, we'll let you get out of here, and we'll come back and continue the discussion uh, by ourselves, Paul. Sounds good. Thank you very much for having me. We appreciate you. Thanks for coming around. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back and uh, have more to talk about. We'll finish up on the gun rights uh, side of it. Paul and I can talk about that with you and then uh don't forget that robert steinbach our legal professor will be here from the uh, uh boeing school of law his opinions are his and his alone and not that of the school or ualr a break and more coming all right we got about seven minutes uh left here on this uh, first hour of the dave ellswick show robert steinbach will be a little late to join us in the three o'clock hour we have uh, several different people were yet to hope to see today but both the house and the senate are in session right now so uh, they are doing their best to pass whatever laws they got coming up we're hearing the discussion over the uh, loudspeakers here in the halls next to the house where we're located you can hear the same thing over on the senate side i'm sure uh, i'm wondering if lundstrom where where she's at as far as uh, her, her minimum wage, I'll have okay. to see nope. if I can find out anything. Maybe during the next break, I can run over and see if they have any agendas left. We can see what's going on in the house. Yeah, we got uh, we got just a, a few moments, and we'll get into the news at the top of the hour, and we can go take a look at it. Yeah, yep. so that was interesting with Matthew talking with him. Uh, didn't hear anything that, to be honest, I don't think we wouldn't hear from. Uh, you know, GOA or uh, NRA or, or whatever. I think 
uh, they're all working the, the exact same playing field, which is good because it's important that we keep pressure on these uh, lawmakers as, as best as can be kept on them. And we do need to put, put some keep in contact with them so because you know the left i think is pretty good about making phone calls and emailing and and keeping their people out here when i you know i'm I'm down here almost every day during session i go to the committees and moms demand action are pretty consistently in the committees they've got their t-shirts on they and they're they're a a show of force um and so they're there and i think I, i think they probably average three or four in almost every committee room meeting, and and when they've got a, mm-hmm. a, a an issue that they're interested in, they'll have more of them show up. And I I think one or two of them is probably retired. I'm not sure if, if if any of them are paid to be here by some organization or not, but they may be. I don't know. But but they're dedicated, and they're they're. Yeah, how much here. money is Bloomberg sprinkling around? I don't I don't know. And that's that's you know I've I've heard that 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 might actually be going on some. Oh, I'm sure it is. And um. Maybe these people between need, him and Soros, it's uh, you know billions of dollars. Well, I wonder. So, if some of these people are being paid, are they are they registering as lobbyists? I don't know. I don't know. And somebody mm-hmm. needs to be checked into. But um, but I I know I know I, I'm down here, but there's a lot of people that that really can't afford to leave their jobs that much. To, but like I said, I think one or two of them is retired, and maybe that maybe they're on welfare. I don't know what the, what the deal is, but. But um, they seem to be kind of one-issue supporters or one-issue advocates. Mothers demand action, of yeah. course. It's all, they're all about guns. Right, and, and I think there's some probably some overlap with abortion support and, and probably some other welfare Yeah, but they're not stuff. showing up in an, a meeting about 18 weeks or something no, they're like not. that wearing their shirts. They're, no, they're, they're showing up in gun right. legislation with, the, with those shirts. With the Moms Demand Action. So they, and they, maybe they change their T-shirts to the Planned Parenthood T-shirts when there's an abortion bill. I don't know. I haven't been watching them that closely to see if there's some of the same people. But they might be. I don't know. But I think there's often some overlap there. People who, who want to take your guns away also want to be able to kill children before they're born. And sometimes even no, They don't mind born. kids getting killed in schools by people who walk into a gun-free zone. Well, I, I think that that part of their issue is that they're they're dedicated they're to, dis- dedicated to disarming to a, people. To, well, they're they're dedicated to an illogical an illogical argument. It is not logical to believe that if you make guns illegal in a building, that the people who uphold the law, that believe in the law, will be the uh, that. Them and the criminals are going to both not bring their guns in. Right. So if, I, if the criminals think that you don't have a gun, they got power over you, and they're going to use that to their advantage. Well, and so, so I think a lot of their goal may actually be to totally eliminate the ability for someone to purchase a gun unless you belong to the government or, or, or something of that nature. And so I think they believe that if we completely disarm Americans from, from having guns, then it will make us all safer. And, you know, it's, it's possible that it might reduce the murder rate some, but it will also leave us incredibly vulnerable to, ta- to attacks from other countries and attacks from our own government. I mean, ask the Germans. And, and, tell you and what, how many Paul, other European countries? 
I don't see how it could reduce the amount of shootings if you take guns away from law-abiding people. Because the, I guess... Who's going to turn them in? Yeah, I mean, the yeah. people who are... The criminals are going to then use guns wantonly. And they won't think twice about if you don't jump when they say jump of pulling the trigger. And, and, that's, and that's the thing is I, I think that... The, the left, at least some on the left, are so dedicated that they would, they would like to round up essentially all privately owned weapons. And so then I, I think the theory is at least, you know, after a while, they just wouldn't be available to criminals. And so the criminals will have to bludgeon you with, with um, screwdrivers and hammers. How does and, it matter how you die? If you get stabbed by a, a screwdriver, bludgeoned with a hammer, smashed with a bat... Yeah, killed with a can opener, or somebody uses a garrote. Who cares? You're st- you're just as dead. <laughs> you are. It's, it's it's exactly right. But at the end of the day, though, it gives big strong people more power. Well, bottom line, we know that. All right, let's take a break. We got to get to the news. Let's have that after the news. Robert Steinbach will join us. We got a lot of things to talk about. We're looking to see, hopefully, hopefully, uh, State Representative Lundstrom to drop by today. Stephen Meeks to drop by today, Representative Meeks and others. All of them are on the docket. It all depends on how much they're locked down in the House and the Senate. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. More coming your way in a moment. Okay, we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show, third floor of the state capitol on the House side. And uh, we're trying to keep things going here. Uh, and uh, following bills, uh, we're trying to find out about uh, Representative Lundstrom's House Bill 1753. She's trying to amend the Minimum Wage Act of the state of Arkansas and to amend the minimum wage resulting from Initiated Act 5 of 2018. So uh, looking and, and basically trying to see what's going on. I'm trying to follow a uh, story right now. It's made national news. It's happened here uh, in Arkansas. And uh, we have a shooting in Prescott. Uh, I don't know if you uh, had heard about it or not. It's starting to break nationally. Uh, We have uh, seen some information that the child who did the shooting... Uh, evidently shot a kid who had... Now, this is uh, this is not substantiated yet, but we've seen it in two places, so we're wondering that if it's not uh, not true. So keep that, that this has not been substantiated completely yet. Uh, bottom line, it, that the uh, child shot someone who had bullied them the day before, that they had been beat up by this kid, showed up at school this morning and uh, and shot the kid who beat, beat him, him up. up. So apparently the school officials didn't defend the kid, huh? Well, that's uh, the that, word that, that we're getting, that, uh, that the, the child who was the bully, um, nothing had happened to him, well, and the, the child who had been bullied took matters into his own hands. Wow. So that, that's where we're at uh, right now. The 14-year-old wo- wounded another in custody. 
Uh, so you didn't the, kill bully, him? the bully story is, uh, is as we know right now, just kind of uh, unsubstantiated, perhaps just a rumor of what's out there. Okay, so, uh, so he was shot but not actually killed. But not killed, no. Okay. The, the, the shooter did not kill the other child. So um, it looks as if uh, this 14-year-old brought a gun to school. And, and Well, is my da- here's what my father would tell us. If the person that is bullying you is bigger and heftier and, you know, has all those things going for them, and he would say if you're find- you find yourself in having to protect yourself, if you can get a hold of a, a stick, a rock, or whatever uh, to equalize the fight, then equalize the fight. Now, yeah. I'm not. I'm not advocating a kid taking a gun to school and shooting another right. kid, but I am saying this: that if that child felt that was the only way that they could protect themselves, because school officials perhaps did not intervene uh, in a bullying situation, then. Uh, they, well, need to, they need to do some uh, soul-searching well, in the administration. Well, and when they don't allow children to take, or kids, high school kids especially, to take pepper spray or something of that nature with them, at some point the school officials themselves may actually be guilty of, of badgering the kid into doing something they shouldn't have done. And um, the, this is just another one of those things where you need to homeschool your kids. All right, this is Janelle Griffith, uh, who is reporting on this story, and it's from NBC News. An Arkansas eighth grader uh, brought a concealed weapon to school and shot a fellow classmate on Monday morning in what police are calling a premeditated attack. The shooting occurred at Prescott High School in Prescott, about 90 minutes southwest of Little Rock. At about 9.15 this morning, the suspect was taken into custody. Both students are 14, and the suspect is a boy, uh, according to the police chief, Joseph Beavers. Uh, quote, we did have school resource officers on scene at the school, so everything was contained in just a matter of seconds. The identity of the victim, who was airlifted to a hospital for treatment, has not been released. The victim is in stable condition, according to the police chief. No other injuries were reported, the school district said. Students were dismissed at 10.30, and uh, classes were scheduled to resume uh, tomorrow. Janelle Griffith is a breaking news reporter for NBC News. Uh, Evidently, KARK is uh, where this uh, is coming out of. So uh, that's, that's the latest that we have. I'll give you more on it. Uh, as we get anything, we're we're following the story, or should I say, Elizabeth is following the story, and letting us know what was going on. That it was a premeditated uh, attack makes me think something happened that would make a kid bring the a gun right. to school. Uh, whether he had been threatened, he had been challenged, he had been attacked, you know, attacked, uh, right. or whatever. Uh, I'm sure as the day goes on, more, more information is going to become available. Well, and it'll be interesting to see how much comes available and how quickly, because we're talking about minors here. They're liable to kind of yep. put a gag 
a gag order on the thing on things so it may be a long time before we find out very much if ever and um but it will be interesting to see because the, the fact is that kids do get attacked in school and when administrators and teachers don't don't make the kids safe it is a problem and i think at some at, at on some level the administrators might actually be tempting these kids to take matters into their own hands when they won't fix it well here's the bottom line it's a perfect example of it's against the law to bring a gun onto school property mm-hmm. it's against the law to be a 14 year old in the possession of a handgun it's against the law in a whole lot of other uh, cases here but it didn't stop this 14 year old from uh, getting a gun in school bringing the gun into the school and premeditating this attack on right. another student the 14 year old can do it yeah you know it I know it I don't know why everybody else wants to deny it makes no sense at at all but we'll uh, we'll get more information on this as it's as it's breaking I know town hall now has it uh, I would expect that we'll hear it on uh, on the news here yep. in the very near future 14 minutes after three let's get a break in we're waiting for uh, Robert Steinbach he should be joining us the house and the Senate are both in session and uh, we're trying to find out about House Bill 1753 and how that has uh, worked out for uh, Robin Lundstrom, a uh, Republican in the House. That's all coming back. When we come back, maybe we'll have some information on those things here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, it's myself and uh, Paul Calvert here at the uh, State Capitol. We are on the uh, third floor on the House side, and the House is in session, and they seem to be getting a lot of work done. The Senate is in session. I don't know how much work they're getting done. We don't have a copy of uh, the bills that are up for consideration today. It doesn't seem like uh, the, on the, uh, the Senate side. It's kind of frustrating. The Senate doesn't actually make, doesn't print, typically print enough copies to give away to people. I don't know why they don't do that. The House, we generally have a little stack of them. Well, you know the Senate. The Senate don't let anybody know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> uh, I'm just taking a look at it. If there's anything here that we're following for uh, a while to see Julie, uh, Julie Mayberry to revise design and construction standards regarding site selection for a public school uh, district facility to include a traffic impact analysis. Instead of doing that, I wish they would just look at a money aspect analysis and uh, say you don't need, you know, um, a marble fountain, a marble uh, fountain in the foyer or whatever. <laughs> Those things need to be struck from. Uh, um, how about them how about do concrete block walls and a concrete floor and? That's crazy, Paul. You we've talked about this <laughs> el nauseum. I mean, make us sick to the stomach. Uh, so House Bill 1752 was on the docket today uh, with uh, Robin Lundstrom to amend the Minimum Wage Act of the State of Arkansas and to amend the Minimum Wage Act of the State of Arkansas resulting from Initiated Act 5 of 2018. That goes along with 753 as well. Uh, there's 1922, she got that out uh, as well, to amend the law concerning 
the procedures for annexation into an adjoining municipality. Hope that she's going to tighten that up and make it a little bit more difficult to to start, you know, forcefully go in and force you to annex. Here's the thing that drives me crazy, and and it drove me crazy a couple years ago when Sherwood decided they wanted to annex Gravel Ridge. It was up to basically the people of Sherwood. Do you want to annex Gravel Ridge? Yes. Okay. We'll vote now to see. Who wants to, you know, be annexed? And uh, the people of Sherwood got to vote on it, and the people of Gravel Ridge. Well, Gravel Ridge, much smaller than uh, Sherwood, so... Um, they got forced in? You, yeah, you get you get, get forced into this stuff. And, and I mean, I, is, I heard it going on down in the Hot Springs that, that's, a couple that years is, ago, too. One of the problems with this is that city governments have a tendency to act like homeowners associations you know, homeowners associations have a tendency to have a reputation for being a pretty being pretty oppressive sometimes but the thing is though when you join a homeowners association you, you volunteered for it when you own your property already and a city comes in and forces you by annexation to become part of their their city code enforcement system it's like it's like them forcing you to join a, a homeowners association and they don't just and they don't just put liens against your property. They will arrest you if you don't yeah. obey their laws. I'll be honest with in some, you. That, in some cases. that stuff doesn't bother me as much as if you're in the county, your property taxes typically exponentially are much lower than what they would be if you're in the city. And uh, when they I don't I, you, they when up. they annex you, you're you have no no druthers. You're going up. Maybe they, um, you can't be on your septic system anymore. Maybe you have to be on the city sewer. Uh, you you prob- they're probably you- they're probably going to get rid of uh, the um, choices that you have for garbage disposal, which can be as far as you just burn your own garbage in a burn pit in the backyard and tell you, well, this is the uh, the, the garbage carrier for our city, and now you'll deal with them. Right, or, e- or even tell you that you you can't... You know, where I live out in the county right now, if I want to burn a brush pile, I just burn a brush pile. But from what I understand, people in the city, they may have to go actually go get a permit from the city. And I was actually talking to somebody recently. I think they actually had to have their fire out by 6 o'clock or before dark or something of that nature. It's like, you know, sometimes I burn brush piles and they go for three or four days. And they don't go out in just a few hours because they're big or you've got big logs that i mean it's going to take those big logs time to burn time to burn and so you can't you can't just burn your pile up that quickly um it's so i I would be highly averse i would be highly offended by a city forcing annexation on me i mean I, i would i brought all of that up just to say that a city trying to force a town or area, incorporated area outside the, the city, to be part of the city. I don't. I just don't think you should be able to do that. No, I think. I think if it was supposed to be part of the city, it should have been part of the city from the get go. Well, I mean, let, you know, because because the fact that city governments are so oppressive. They're, they basically treat you like you're a tenant on your own property. You're, they, city governments have a tendency to treat you like they are the landlord and you are their renter. And that it's not your property anymore. You've got to get permission to fix your own house. 
not to say that or to make not to, make now this is not to say that uh, you know your your county uh, uh, quorum court can't be oppressive oh, as they, well they, they can do the same thing they definitely can be at least here in Arkansas for the most part the quorum courts are, are leaving um, people alone for the most part out in the city or out, out in the county you can build what you want to build so long as you're not hurting your neighbors and it's not for the most part you can do what you want to do now there are some exceptions where, where county governments can be pretty stinking stupid as well well i'm um, lucky where i live at i live right next to cabot i have uh, graystone is down the hill from me and on five and they are incorporated into cabot uh then you come up the hill and you get to where my subdivision is, and it has not been annexed by Cabot. And then you get past my uh, area, and it has been annexed into Cabot. So we're like a little island, little uh, you know, little peninsula, peninsula just sticking out there. And somebody uh, sent out a letter a couple of days ago, well, a couple of weeks ago, maybe been as much as a couple of months ago, saying, "Hey." You guys thought that maybe we'd like to be annexed into the city of, of, of Cabot? No. And just about <laughs> the majority of people said, uh, absolutely not. Good. You know, we don't want that so you, uh, because to be you, happening. You're already in a, pri- a property owners association, so yep. you, you deal with a lot of issues that you would be interested in, interested in for those type purposes. And city governments seem to me, I, I, they're, they're oppressive. I would... Like I said, it would it would really be offensive to me for city government to come in and forcibly annex me, annex my property. Yeah, the, the bottom line is is that we try uh, at least uh, Lono County has tried in our area and for our area as well as homeowners. The basic thing that we've said is that if you want to add on to something to your property, it has to look good. You can't, you know, be parking cars and just letting them go to hell. You can't put, you know, refrigerators on your porch and just let and, them, and, and, you know, and break down and stuff because that runs down the property and, and values that's, for and that's, everybody. And that's kind of the purpose behind a, a, a property owners association. You can deal with things like that. And um, whereas out in the county, I, I think where where people have their own property and there's no master deed is what they call it. I think with a with a homeowner association or property owners association. People can do with the property what they want to because they haven't contracted that those rights away for for the mutual benefit of their um, of their neighbors. And so, so I'm okay with with that sort of thing within a within a homeowner association. But I've got a serious problem with those sort of things out in the county. I mean, I've got a I've got a guy who lives on on the road where I live um, who hauls scrap metal for a living. You know, the guy's not very sophisticated. But he makes his living in an honorable way. But a lot of city governments would shut him down, or a lot of homeowner associations wouldn't let him do what he does because he has a messy yard all the time. But he's doing something honorable. The county government should not come along and, and, and shut him down because it's ugly. It's it's What he's doing is honorable and reasonable. It should not be illegal. Now, if, now if a, a, a property owner's association wants to make that um, unlawful, that's that's a totally different issue because it's a it's a private contract arrangement. And so, but when cities come along come along and, and forcibly annex property and maybe try to force this guy out of business, 
so we can't make a living anymore. That's a, that's a pretty serious matter. Yeah, I, I agree, and I'm happy with the volunteer fire departments that we have, uh, the EMT folks that we have. Uh, I don't need to have uh, Cabot's fire department. I don't need Cabot's right. police department. I don't need uh, Cabot's uh, you know, ambulance department. So, you know, bottom line, right. I don't think that... Uh, and if you wanted that, that's you, could move, happen. you could move on into Cabot. Yeah. If you wanted yeah, it. Yeah, if I wanted that. Right. That's so, exactly and that's right. kind of where I am out in the county. You know, we don't have nearly as many police officers out in the county or deputies, sheriff's deputies out in the county as there are, in, say, in Conway. But I bet you if you look at the crime rates, the crime rates are probably lower out in the county than they are in the middle of the city, even though there's way more police officers in the city. All right. Let's uh, get ready to wrap up this half hour. Hopefully, Robert will be with us here uh, as we move into the second half hour of 3 o'clock uh, and uh, will join us today. No more uh, information on the Prescott shooting. Uh, if you're just tuning in, we've been reporting on it. A 8th grader, a 14-year-old, uh, shot another 14-year-old in Prescott today. Uh, no fatalities involved Uh, But uh, there are some things swirling around that we're trying to nail down. Let's get to the news. Okay. All right. We are back with you here on the third floor of the state capitol on the House side. And uh, last we heard, the uh, representatives, the House, uh, were hearing SJR 15 from uh, Alan Clark, the Arkansas Term Limits Amendment. So uh, we've heard some fairly good uh, conversation going on about that. Sounds like they may be voting right now. I don't know. Well, it sounded like it. They were really, really getting at it. Somebody was talking. And And now they're pretty quiet. Now they're quiet, and it sounds to me like they've called for the vote. So see what they have to say, because that's the – that sounds like the – the uh, Speaker of the House speaking right now, so he's they're taking the vote, I believe. Trying. There's the clerk. Start that read kind of fast, almost chanty. I'm trying to. I'm trying to hear. It's real hard to make it out because it's so echoey in here mm-hmm. that they're talking, and it's hard to make uh, anything out of it clear. So we'll hope that we'll find out about it. We're really interested in um, House Bill 1753 on the minimum wage, and we, we're uh, texting people and asking what's going on with it, and we haven't gotten an answer from anybody. Everybody's, no, I everybody's being very quiet right now. Yeah, I texted a couple different legislators on it. And Maybe they've turned off their phones so that so. they're not going to get bothered by anybody while... Uh, they're considering the, the different legislation that's out there, so we'll see what happens. Other, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, saying the other legislation that is out there, and right now they're in regular Senate bills, and they got a bunch of them today. They've got what? They got two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty, twenty-two, twenty-four, twenty-five. To get to, and a lot of them are not, uh, you know, things that you can kind of put them all together in a group, you know, and vote just one thing. Some, on, some on. of them, I think, a lot of times the appropriations bills get batched together and they they vote on them in a lump. 
Yeah, I'm just looking here. I'm, I'm seeing to amend the definition of certified registered nurse anesthetist by removing supervision requirements. Oh, really? That got out of committee. Yeah. That's uh, kind of interesting. Uh, Gary Stubblefield, to amend laws concerning abortion facilities and abortion reporting, uh, reporting to amend the Born Alive Infant Protection Laws and to require an additional acknowledgement under the Women's Right to Know Act. Uh, Bill Sample, to amend the requirements for a personal care service provider, private care agency, home health care services agency regarding visits to a patient's home and the distance of an office from the patient's home. Uh, I'm just seeing what else we got here of, of any interest. Uh, Irvin, to establish the Health Care Contracting Simplification Act and to prohibit anti-competitive practices by a health care insurer. Bledsoe, to provide for the assignment of benefits to a health care provider. Uh, Greg Letting, to amend the law concerning the app. Applicability of the Continuing Care Provider Regulation Act to life care uh, providers. So, I mean, there's some House bills that were of interest to us that they've gotten to now. We're just going to have to find out how it all worked out. Lundstrom had 1753, 1752. Both of those were minimum wage. 1922. Uh, which is a law concerning the procedures for annexation. And then uh, another one that she had uh, being presented today was 1886 to amend the law concerning criminal background checks. Have not uh, heard how any of those went. And uh, we're checking out the website, and we're not seeing anything on the website for uh, the Arkansas House uh, on how their... uh, these bills went so they're being slow as far as that's concerned <laughs> it's uh, it, it, it's maddening here at times uh, trying to get information if we were a little closer we could watch the TV and watch them yeah. debating and yeah. and then as a vote you can watch the screen and you can see the votes go up but well, we're too far away to see that uh, a lot of the uh, Folks that are over there waiting for the legislators to come out, a lot have moved away, which would tell me that some of the bills that have been voted on, uh, they've left because there's nothing more to be said. Well, you mean the lobbyists there? Yeah, the lobbyists, yeah. They're, they're, they're not standing out there in mass. A few moments ago, there were about 30 people out oh, there. Wow. Yeah, there are now kind of, three or four are out there. They may, they may have talk to the people they need to talk to and now they're sitting down just kind of waiting who knows yeah i don't know i don't know that's a lobbying is kind of an interesting game so steven meeks nothing from him i still haven't heard from him yet no that's kind of usually he'll he'll respond he'll usually give us a quick it it vote uh, it it passed it failed or it was pulled down it's possible it might not have actually um been heard yet so who knows yeah i don't know if they're going in order or not Typically, they do go in order. They're pretty good about that, unless the person who's running the bill needs a vote or two. Yeah, and yeah, maybe uh, so. so they're 
they ask for them to run it later so they have the chance right. to try to work out you know a couple of votes that they need so that they'll be able to uh, find uh, find votes to make it pass doesn't look like anything's that close right now right and so and and the being so close to the end of the session it may just be that they are just kind of going picking and choosing through this through the agenda so who knows i mean and, and the agenda is pretty long today too so what is it three or four pages there yeah front 20, and back 20 yeah tw- yeah 20 to the last page not anything on the back they ran out you know, when they got to the last page yeah, so there's, they still had 26 bills from the senate to wow. deal with today that's just the senate huh yeah the house they had two four six eight 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22, 24, 26, 28, 30, 32, 33. Well, so, it was about so you're looking at about 60 bills wow. being looked at yeah. today. And are any of them appropriations bills? Or are they no, like no. They're all real. Oh, wow. They're all real bills. Wow. That's what's going on. So well, they might you be get, here when you get appropriations bills, they can vote those in, in blocks, typically. Okay, so I guess they're hearing SB 557 right now. That's to designate Washington, Arkansas, as the birthplace of the Bowie knife. 86 yeas, 3 nays, and zero present. Wow. That was one we really had to do. Wow. that's Yeah, that's Immediately. Su- such an important thing to do. Yeah. Going Some to designate Washington, was it Washington County now, as the birthplace. Here is the... Uh, this is the one on Friday Matt Smith was asking for, SB 492. Okay. To promote hospitality and tourism to establish areas of a city or town that highlight restaurant entertainment and hospitality options to establish temporary or permanent designated entertainment districts. I think that's the one that Matt Smith was asking about. So that you could people. Uh, so they could carry a drink from okay. one restaurant to another or from one entertainment venue to another right. so I, see if we hear anything about that you know, as, as long as someone's not um, intoxicated and, and so badly that they're a threat to others other people around yeah. them, you know I don't care if they carry a drink I don't care what's in it yeah well I don't I really mean, worry about it uh, blood so Senate bill 441 to add restrictions regarding advertising a medical marijuana and the and use of certain symbols. What kind of what are we looking at? What you can't show a road joint or you can't show a ball or something like well, that. Well, Stephen Meeks just got back with me. He said yeah. uh, uh, nowhere close. It only got thirty votes. Wow, that was uh, that was Lundstrom's the first bill. One. Yeah, that's about the minimum the first wage. One. Yeah, seventeen fifty three. Wow, got cut down. You know, uh, there's there's this belief. That uh, the legislature shouldn't do anything on an initiated act. I disagree with that because, as uh, uh, you know, voters, you may not be privy to everything that you need to know. Sure, and, and the thing is that you know, I want legislators to. Um, so they're actually voting on that hospitality and tourity, tours. Sorry, they're voting on it now. Yeah, the established temporary or permanent designated interior. And, Entertainment districts. Fifty-one yays, nineteen yays, ten present. Got passed. Wow, just barely. And so, doesn't matter. It's like I always say in a baseball game. Doesn't matter if it's one to nothing or twenty-five to 
to to twenty four. Winning is binary. You, you, you just need one yep. vote more than you, the you, other you guy. Either win or, or you run. don't. That's exactly right. But, That's how it is. It right, goes but, in as a W. Right, and and back to the minimum wage thing or or the initiated acts issue, whether or not the legislature should override those things. You know. It's in the Constitution. It gives them the right to do that. They do. They do have power to do that. And the thing is, I want legislators to do the right thing. For all their constituents. And then when it um, comes to constituents that are screaming at them, it's a teaching opportunity. You know, go back home and tell your constituents why you voted for a certain piece of legislation, even though it was unpopular. They didn't get rid of the minimum wage raise. They were trying to... To clarify it, to help small businesses that might get be put out of business if they have to suddenly, January 1st of 2020, pay $10 an hour well, uh, to their minimum wage workers. Right, right. And, and, and not only that, it's what about the workers who, who might get fired and or the people that are coming along who, who can't get a job at all? Yep. And so at the end of the day, take these opportunities as teaching opportunities. And do the right thing. Well, I agree with that. All right. It's uh, 14 minutes till 4. We've got to get a break in. Let's do that. And then we'll come back and finish up the 3 o'clock hour here on a Monday at the uh, Capitol House side, uh, third floor. And, again, sounds like uh, House Bill 1753 uh, by Robin Lundstrom has been defeated uh, significantly. That uh, Senate Bill 492 for uh, permanently designating entertainment districts has passed uh, in the House. It had already passed in the Senate, so that will go to the governor for his signature uh, to make it law. All right, got both of those up there and done. We'll try to catch up on what the votes were on something. Well, the Bowie knife has been uh, voted on as a... uh, as the Arkansas, you know, toothpick, basically, it is now, I guess, what is it, the state knife now? No, I I think it was designating, I think making the designation of where it came from. To designate Washington, Arkansas as the birthplace of the Bowie Knife, Arkansas's heritage site. Okay, so it, it started there in Washington. Okay, that's where they made the first Bowie Knife. Yay, I'm clapping. All right, a break. We'll come back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Robert Steinbach has joined us now here at the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, don't forget that his opinions are his and his alone and do not necessarily reflect those of uh, the university or the school of law. And uh, I have to say that just to CYA, everybody. Absolutely. You know, by the way, Dave, can I just mention, I I walked in the building, as I always do, and, you know, you walk by through the metal detector, et cetera. Those cops are so professional. I really mean that. uh, They are such a responsible and professional group. I'm very impressed with the Capitol Police. They let, you, they let you through. They say, "Well, barely, because you know they, I'm a sketchy-looking guy." But, <laughs> but you know, maybe that's why I think they're doing a good job because I wouldn't let myself through. I tell you that right now. <laughs> well, I, I think they kind of learn to deal with with um, with people in a professional manner yeah. for the most part. Yeah. I mean, and I I, I kind of resent the idea that they even do metal detectors there. But that's well, I'm, that's I'm, your I'm, broader I'm, issue about right, guns, it, right? It, well, yeah. it's a broader issue about the Fourth Amendment as well, and they're. Um, 
But right. I have to agree, they, they are pretty right. professional as far as right. they're respectful and they'll, for the most part. And so they're, um, you know, I, I even challenged them on that several years ago. Is that right? They were respectful about it. They, yeah. they, didn't, yeah. they didn't give up, but right. they, were, they were respectful. <laughs> they didn't, and, and they so didn't I, turn off the they machine. Did, they, didn't, they didn't put handcuffs on me or anything, right. but they right. did actually take some time. And, and we, we disagreed, but, but right. we... Um, may have been those handcuffs they were showing you. May, may have been. Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of my choice is I can either fight or I can, or I can keep coming here. And so the, I, I chose to keep coming here, although I suppose I could have filed a lawsuit, but I don't, I'm not sure that it would do any good. It's kind of a, an uphill battle to, to challenge a government um, institution on whether or not they can, they can use metal detectors when the courts themselves will probably force me to go through a metal detector before I actually go to file the lawsuit. So we, we had the, uh, the, the Northwest Regional Director uh, on today from the uh, National Association for Gun Rights. Let me tell you something. Uh, it's, it's a little bit disconcerting, to be honest with you, but uh, a lot of the states here in the South are having the same kind of problems that we're having here in Arkansas about constitutional carry the, and, and all kinds of stuff. So the Republicans just kind of the being, Republicans being are afraid to be in, you know, we, we, We've got the most senior boys. Uh, uh, um, representative sitting next to us. Yes. Uh, and I actually don't know the specific positions on these, so we're, we're going to corner him right now, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, Far away. I, I see the sweat. I'm just joking. This, he, 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 he's very cool, but I, was gonna say, I see the sweat beating. So let's talk about guns. Dave just brought up the issue of guns. What, Where's the House? Where are you on Stand Your Ground? What was the other big gun bill that... Uh, well, well, there no, was... Gun-free zones. Gun-free zones. Gun-free zones. And, and, and Gary... What's Gary's Stubblefield. Stubblefield. Thank yeah. you. And he had a similar bill in the other That was a, sim- a similar bill, right? I understand. Right. right. So basically right. to eliminate gun-free zones in, in, in most areas. Right. Not all, but, mm-hmm. but many. Right. So bring us up to speed if you could. Uh, so the Stand Your Ground bill, that one died in committee. The Red Flag bill also died in committee. So at, at this point, there will not be really any substantial changes on gun laws going forward. Um, the um, I, I did support the Stand Your Ground one. I was opposed to the Red Flag one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, well, that's the, good. That's yep. a conservative how the position. Gun, how about the gun-free zones? That one I had a little bit of concern. Let me tell you why. Please. When we were all kids, it was not uncommon for some of my, uh, you know, high school buddies to show up with uh, uh, shotguns in their, 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 you know, pickups. pickup trucks. Right. That, that was commonplace. And back during that time, there was a certain, uh, you know, we had a strong Judeo-Christian ethic standard in the country. A lot of that's starting to go away. And so my concern is, if we go back. Since we've created, we had an ethics that was grounded on, you know, on that value system. Nowadays, we're switching to more of a relativistic value system. Mm-hmm. And that's where my concern comes in for that bill. Whereas in days gone by, if someone was picking on you at school, you still knew it was wrong to go in there and try to solve that with a gun. But in today, when we're teaching kids that morals are based upon what feels right to you, well, if someone has picked on you and been mean, you can make that the correct choice to go in and do Happened the harm. today in Prescott. Yeah. 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 So, See, and I hadn't heard that. So that would be my, that's my, that would be my main concern with opening it up uh, as much as that bill did. And I think there, and I didn't see all the 
particulars on the right. bill, but uh, that there could even be some potential federal conflicts there. Well, it was open on schools as far as holders, Womack's bill went, but Stubblefield's took out the school issue. I think it maybe did. So I think mm-hmm. so. I think Womack's bill allowed concealed carry permit holders to carry mm-hmm. in schools if they got um, approval or permission or something of that nature right. from the local school officials or right. something of that nature. And so, so it wouldn't be kids carrying in school. Right. Well, it's illegal well, for them anyway. To, uh, yeah, yeah. Which that which I would have probably been okay with that. Uh, of course, practically none of the schools would have allowed it, so I don't know that it would have changed yeah. much. That's the old Collins bill, yeah. right? Remember, Charlie Collins had but this the original was actually bill. public schools, right? No, right, no but right. remember, Charlie Collins's old bill about public universities. His mm-hmm. original uh, mm-hmm. law right. was uh, the schools can allow it if they, if right. they choose. And so right. they all denied it, and then he passed the subsequent law. I mean, but, obviously the legislature right. passed it, right. but he pushed the subsequent law. They said, no, it's not up to the school because we, the legislature, are in charge of that. Right, and just a commentary on this notion of gun-free zones is it doesn't stop the crackpot, right? The gun-free zone stops the law-abiding citizen. One could argue, I don't think it's a meritorious claim ultimately, but one could argue that if you keep law-abiding citizens from carrying guns, there are fewer guns available and fewer accidents will happen. But I don't think that's a true statement. This is empirical. In in other words, I think if we look at the recent gun uh, shootings, they are overwhelmingly in gun-free zones because you've just taken them away from the non-crackpots, and the crackpots still show up because they know. It's almost like a magnet for crackpots to show up because they're not going to be responded to. But we don't have mass killings at gun shows. I mean, right. they're not stupid. These people right. are evil, not stupid. Right. I mean, right. they, they don't even have it happen at Walmart. Right. Walmarts are not gun-free zones. Well, let's take this Prescott shooting that happened today, and we're hearing some information around it that this kid had been attacked by another kid last week, shows up today, uh, sneaks a handgun into school, and shoots the kid. Uh, kid's alive. Uh, the other kid has been uh, has been arrested. And if you have gun-free zones and you know there's evidently nobody else there to protect you, although they had resource officers there, uh, might make it an easy decision for the kid to bring the gun to school. We'll talk about it when we come back. Got to get the news. Let's get to the news here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Paul Calvert here. Robert Steinbach is here. He is a... Professor of Law at uh, the Bowen School of Law, and his opinions are his and his alone, not necessarily the School of Law or UALR. And the same thing about the opinions of Representative uh, Stephen Meeks. Yeah, uh, they're not is, necessarily the, rep- the opinions of the law school either. Right, right, right. right, right, right. <laughs> or, or, or all the constituents. <laughs> right, right, right. But, yeah. So I, I got a, a text from one of our listeners asking... Um, Maybe for some clarification, he says, "Did Meeks say he opposed gun-free zones because we are becoming less Christian as a country?" So I guess he's wanting a little clarification on that. What, right, what right. did you mean? By that? No, no. Um, in the the case that we're talking about, where um, the um, students carrying weapons to school, right. and uh, you know, us as a society in general, we're getting away from the Judeo-Christian values. And that doesn't mean that everybody in the past uh, was a Christian, but we as a society held strongly to those general values. Right. 
and as a society, we're moving to a more relativistic. At least publicly, right, we did. Publicly, right. publicly, we did in the well, past, whether right. or not we did individually or not. There was right. a great publicly. article that right. was written, uh, let's say half a year ago, I don't recall, by two law professors, and they said, you know, let's restore some, some of the values of like the 50s, mm-hmm. and they were lambasted by the liberal left in the, in the academy. Sure. How dare you say that? Did you know in the 50s, said the opponents of these two law professors, that there was racism and, yes, but those were not, the, they listed the values they thought were right. good, like, hey, here's a crazy one, get married before you have kids. Right. They literally looked sure. at, and they were like, well, how dare you say that? How dare you say that? How is that a bad idea? How is the family structure about, well, then you're evil and you're, and you're ma- mean to single parent. Well, listen, I know things happen out of plan. Let's right. put it that way. Right. You, right. you know, orphans right. happen. The fact, right. the fact exactly. is, you know, but we don't go around right. saying, you know, everybody should kill their parents because, because you know, orphans can grow up just as fine. As anybody no, else, no, right? no. We want two parent families, even though it doesn't happen all the time. But we don't have to say, well, but it's not an indictment on everybody that, the, that is a, a single parent family. But I think we should still we acknowledge the ideal. There's, there's ideal, right? And then and there's what the representative right, is pointing and that, out. yeah, right. So, so the, the 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 I guess the basics of that question: Do I think that we shouldn't have gun-free zones because we're not? No, no, that's not the point that I was making. Right. Um, but uh, so I, I don't like gun-free zones. Let me just put right, it right, that way. Okay. But when, as a lawmaker, when I'm taking things into consideration, you know, that, that's my phone ringing. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're all looking around yeah, trying yeah, to figure exactly. out where the vibrations yeah, coming that's from. Yeah, it's coming from me. Um, but um, as a, uh, you know, as we're making policy at the state level, it's part of my job to make sure I'm taking into the secondary and tertiary uh, effects of laws that we pass. So one of the things that I'm looking at is where are we as a society now? based upon where we were in the past Mm -hmm. and how do those changes affect what we're doing as a state because we can't do things today the same way we've done things in the in the past and and so so you mentioned like years ago teenage boys would carry their shotguns in their pickup trucks and nobody had a problem with it so is that kind of where you're going with that is maybe we shouldn't let teenage boys carry shotguns in their pickup trucks now but whereas we don't well well, no well not officially anyway but and so so is that kind of where you're going with that, or, or do you actually think that right, so parents shouldn't be allowed to carry guns so when they go pick up their kids at school? Well, no. So like in the case you talked about earlier with the bill where it would allow someone with concealed carry to right. carry on, I, I would be perfectly fine perfectly with that. I, that I, think, right. I think that that's, that uh, that would be good. That's reasonable. That, that's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, opening it up for everybody to come on campus without question, uh, you know, when we don't know who's coming on, what kind of background they have, what their intention is. You know, 99 out of 100 people who would come on to campus carrying a weapon would be uh, well, completely right. Usually if you want to come on campus on a school, on a public school grounds, you have to have a reason to be there. Right. I, mean, I can't just walk in and, and walk through the halls. Right. Correct. I have to identify myself as a parent or somebody had right. to, having a reason to you be there. You have business there. to be there. I, I, have, I have business there. So it's not open to the public per se right and so you you i I don't even know if i could get in there unless unless i had maybe i was going well not indoors but then there's also the outdoor areas where you'd have access to the kids but i think you bring up two important points uh, representative and one is i i think it's fair always to say what is the empirical what is the measured 
uh, outcome in the long run to any policy change. We can have a, when we, when conservatives have a philosophical claim that we're safer when people are generally armed, that ultimately boils down to an empirical claim. Is it true or not? Right. right. Is it true or not? It, it could turn out. Now, I'm not saying it is, just to be clear. This is a an argument against Theoretical. what I believe to be. The, right, exactly. But one could turn out that you give everybody guns or everybody who, with a license carries a gun and there's a bunch of crazy shootouts and more people die than would have otherwise died. Then we have to relook at what we're doing. Now, conservatives don't believe that will be the case. That's why right. we are pro-gun rights, con- right. also consistent with constitutional rights. Self-defense, right. right. But, but at the end of the day, though, sometimes, even though an issue might result in more accidents or more, or more even crime, it, does the principle outweigh... The, um, well, it depends. The, what the, the, if the, the principle of gun rights is self-defense, if more people are dying, good, I mean, innocent people, not mm-hmm. the bad guys. We don't, right. I don't count the bad guys. When they give the death toll in, in, a, in a, shoot, a mass shooting, I don't count the bad guy, by the way. Right, right. right? That's, uh, that's, that's, not, a, that's not a case of murder when you, right. kill, when you kill a murderer. Exactly. Um, uh, but, you know, ultimately, if you're making a policy, not a legal, not a constitutional argument, but a policy uh, 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 argument, you want to figure out, does your policy achieve the goal? And the goal for most conservatives with with carrying guns is increased safety. So I think you raise an important global point, regardless of how it applies here. I think your point is let's talk about it. And I think your second point is the important one that I want to home in on for just a moment. You said, so I don't know where I would go with just anybody, but I'm certainly behind the notion of people with licenses carrying guns. So it's an in other words, what you're saying is incremental. Okay. Uh, 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 meaning I don't object to that. Uh, not that I'm the authority on anything, but I say that to say this legislature hasn't even done stuff incrementally. Right, right. It's remarkable. Right, right. And that's one of the big yeah. challenges is a lot of times with the, the ideological principles that we all hold, you know, the the guns and we're strong supporters of the Second Amendment, is when you get down into the, the details – the devil's in the details, so to speak, right. and, right. and and you know, do we want to open it up for guns everywhere, right. regardless of the situation, right. or are there certain situations where? So let's do you part. Know, do we, let's do part, and we know. can't even get the part right. done. Right. So that's that, my frustration. And so that's a that's a good question. So do we want guns everywhere, or do we just want people to be allowed to have guns where they are personally allowed to be if it's right. in a public area? So you know, I can walk into the revenue office. I don't have to have permission. I don't have to identify myself. You know, to me, that seems like a place where I should be allowed to carry a gun. I mean, there's right. lots of weird, crazy, scary people that go into the revenue office, right. and I might be one of the scary people. I don't know. But, but, the, but the, um, at the end of the day, though, it's a place where I have a right to be, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'm actually required to be there because right. I've got to go register something. Or pay money to the right. government. Pay money to the government. Right. And, and so – and. You know, well, a lot of other government buildings right. are the same way. And two, and you can also get into situations where principles that we all believe in start to conflict with each other. So, for example, this is the Second Amendment issue can conflict with the rights of the property owner. Right. So if we say by law you've got the right to carry your weapon everywhere and a property owner says, no, I don't want any guns on my right. – who's, who, whose rights trumps who? The property so, right. So, and, and right. And so we have issue. to start yeah. prioritizing. Well, that's an issue I think that you've been right on. All, as long as I've mm-hmm. known you, even though the NRA was wrong about mm-hmm. it. And so I think you've, you've been one to, to hold your, stand your ground, if you will, right. mm-hmm. on, on that issue because when the NRA gets that question wrong, mm-hmm. you stood up and got it right. right. What's the NRA says you, you should be able to carry your gun on someone else's private property? Yeah, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. so they're, they're, they're wrong about that. And so the, the, at the end of the day, though, yes, you're right. I think the, the, the property owner should be allowed to make 
dumb rules about their yep. property. Yep. And so, but but I think, but it, but it needs to be a, a private property based issue. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, for example, you have the right to freedom of speech. You have the right to, to assembly. You have the right to worship. But, you know, you can't assemble on my lawn unless That's you've got right. my property. You That's can't right. conduct church, church service on my lawn unless you've got my permission. Right, right. And so and this would follow that you you shouldn't be allowed to carry a weapon on someone's personal private property. If they don't want you to. If they don't want you to. Right. right. Or just like, just like, you know, you know, I probably shouldn't go to Lowe's and advertise Home Depot. Right. I think Lowe's should be, be allowed to stop me from doing that. Correct. Right. So... But, what? No, I, I think this is wonderful. I think you guys have really sort of focused the issue. So, Representative Meeks, where's our guns bills? <laughs> what, what, I mean, <laughs> they're dying. In they're, 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 dead. they're dead. Well, well, they're no. Dead. Wait, I, I do. I need to back. We did pass one gun bill last uh, week. It got overwhelming support. It made the shotgun the official state oh, gun. Yeah, okay. Okay. Great. yeah. Great. So, yeah. So exactly. that. that in the in so, the prehistoric yeah. fish or whatever that yeah, thing yeah, was. Yeah, right? yeah. Gar. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. It's cute. Whatever. If it takes ten minutes, get it out of the way. But you know, let's. We meet every we. You know, the our my legislature. The one that I'm paying every for. Two years, every two basically. years, basically, and only yep. for, for a general. You know, four months. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a, it's a rush to get stuff right. done. Can we get a cost on how much it costs to, to designate the gar? The, is the state's <laughs> designated prehistoric well, fish? Almost nothing. Yeah, I mean, it, they, they update a website or something, right, and that's right. pretty much it's it. It's a cute little thing. I mean, yeah. and, and the, you know, makes a human interest story. Right. Uh, who cares? Uh, in the end, I mean, but 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 what I do care about is we can't pass. Common sense gun bill, and the point that you raise, I think, is actually an excellent point. Bob Ballinger said of me uh, in a uh, committee meeting once. He goes, "You know, Steinbuck's not known for middle of the ground stuff." Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But let's get. Let, I'll, you know, I'll take half a pie instead of no pie at all. I was at Dave's house for Thanksgiving, and he only gave me two slices. Only two slices. Only two slices of pie. Well. But it was better than none. So, you know, but in all seriousness, I'll take half a pie. I know, you know, it it reminds me, the Dem Gaz was at another hearing regarding expanding the defamation law, and they kind of took the brunt of of what's wrong with the press because they're the only press guys there. You're the only representative sitting at the table, and and, and we like you very much. But I am frustrated to heck about the guns laws, about free speech laws. We were talking uh, during the commercial break how uh, it's probably going to come up again, but we're getting resistance in the Senate side on a bill that says at home, at night, on your private Facebook, I mean the one that people can read, but on your personal, I should say, Facebook page, if you want to write something such as, consistent with what you said earlier, Judeo-Christian value, you say, well, I happen to be against gay marriage, or I happen to be against the the idea that someone who's transgender uh, woman, meaning started out as a man, but a transgender woman should go into the girls' room at a school, and that that the, the, um, the government can to this day fire people for that and guess who showed up to oppose that bill the university the university the place that's supposed to be to open ideas no you're not allowed to say that on your private facebook page at home and then there was a provision in the bill that says while at work they can restrict you and it says they can restrict you to all reasonable time place restrictions and the university said reasonable how do you put a reasonableness standard in there? This should be anything. So essentially the university apparently is arguing that they should be entitled to unreasonable restrictions. Well, 
the restrictions they want are Whatever anything they, they don't like. That's it. Anything that a leftist <laughs> says uh, that they don't like. That's and by right. the way, I always say this during our discussions of these type of issues that implicate Judeo-Christian values. We need to respect people who identify as gay and, and transgender, etc. And, and we need to treat them well, and we need to welcome them as human beings. I mean that sincerely. Jesus Judeo, washed the, fi- the, the feet. Judeo-Christian values right. say that. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. That's right. And, and, you know, to your point, being a lawmaker is one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life because of all the uh, you see great things accomplished. But on the flip side, it can also be one of the most frustrating things sure. you do because of some of the things that you've you've mentioned. You know, we're, we're a Republican legislature. We're supposed to be one of the most conservative ones in the country. And there are some things that we probably should get done that we can't get done and uh you know sometimes those lobbies come out real hard and the question that i've asked is who's lobbying for the average citizen yeah well paul speak that, on that issue about well, lobbying by the way okay hold yeah. on yeah. After the break. let's take a break yeah, yeah. Well, it's 21 after four the dave ellswick show we're on the third floor of the capitol we're here for the general session by the way representative next week going to be it that's the rumor that's the rumor all right Take that for what you will. It's a rumor. All right. We'll be back with more after this. Yep. We're at State Capitol, third floor, house side in the Capitol building. The uh, session has uh, adjourned for today, although there are some meetings going on right now. I saw where Lowry said that he was having a meeting today in his committee. Was a lady that also said she was having how many how many committees were meeting? Do you remember? So the the House is done. The Senate's going to be going late today. Uh, there's I think two or three that are uh, meeting this afternoon, and most of the House committees are winding down their calendars. I know in Agri, as of right now, we're done for the session. Um, the uh, committee I chair, the Technology Committee, we will have uh, I think I'm hoping just one more, and then we'll be done for the session. Yeah, Anything we, that's sitting there that needs to be taken care of, or have you gotten everything done that you want to get done? Uh, we've got most of the things done. I um, uh, had a bill that uh, I'm carrying. We passed out today that would uh, establish blockchain technology within the state, and that's an, a very important technology that uh, the governor talked about in his State of the State address that we need to allow in the, the state. Um, and I don't know how far of a rabbit trail you want to go down there to talk about that technology, but uh, Senator Jane English has a bill down in the Senate that will um, try to create a cybersecurity consortium across the state, get a lot of the agencies, public and private, who are involved in that uh, to try to start talking to each other and establish some frameworks to make sure we're better protected as a state, and uh, they are going to supposed to handle that on their end later today and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get that addressed in my committee later on this week so that sounds like to me that you along with other representatives and senators are saying we've been here too long yes it's yes. time to go home yes yep we're, we're getting I'm tired to the, of looking at that person I sit next to we're, we're, we're all getting to the point in the session where we're all getting tired and cranky with each other so uh-huh. yep interesting yep. interesting yep. Uh, I heard I heard Lundstrom took it on the chin today. Yes, the listeners know she was presenting two bills that were were in regards to the Minimum Wage Act. Um, I supported both bills. Uh, I think, as most of your listeners know, I actually worked a minimum wage job prior to the start of the session. Right, and um, I saw some of the effects of the increases uh, on the last minimum wage. 
Uh, unfortunately, I think one of them got 30 votes. The other one got 39, and they needed two-thirds votes to pass, 67. So wow. that was pretty much the end of that. Yeah, and, and for people who say, well, you shouldn't try to change you know, the vote of the people, the state constitution gives you guys the responsibility right. if something is passed that's stupid. Sorry to put it that way, but you know, you who are members of the uh, the thing we call a republic mm-hmm. are not infallible either. You're like the last line of defense at that point. Right, that's correct. And like we were talking about a little bit earlier, sometimes with these issues, you get a, a broad ideology and broad support, but the devil's in the details on how it affects certain segments of the that's economy. Correct. And what I felt we were doing here was we were creating the, the adjustments to allow what the voters wanted to go forward, but to try to create the least amount of impact as it did go forward. And unfortunately, as you know, it failed. You know, the thing about the minimum wage, and we could probably debate that also for the next uh, hour or so, you know, when I was a kid, the minimum wage was five twenty-five, and then we had to raise it to $6 an hour, and then it's raised and it's raised. And the moral of the story is the buying power of minimum wage will ultimately only have the buying power of minimum wage. For a short time, it will create an economic boost for the people who are making minimum wage. If they don't get fired. If, or if they don't get fired, right. <laughs> but, but ultimately, in five years, we're going to be back and minimum wage will once again have the buying power of the minimum wage. The long-term effect is everybody who's making above the minimum wage because prices are going to adjust. If you go out and eat at a restaurant, those prices are going to go up over the next couple of years. If you uh, have a child in daycare, those prices are going to go up over the next few years. Uh, certain medical, uh, those prices are all going to go up, and those price increases are going to ripple through the economy. And so if you're a senior citizen and you're living on a fixed income, your cost to go out and eat at a restaurant is about to go up. Your cost for a family, a single mother who's trying to uh, have child care for her child, that cost is all going to go up. I want you to talk more about this when we come back. Time for news. Let's get an update. We'll do that right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You know, all right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick uh, Show. If I wasn't here at the Capitol right now, on the, this side of the house. I'd probably be at home watching the incredible Dr. Poe. That's kind of a random thought. But yeah, <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know who Dr. Poe is? I do not. You know who Dr. Poe is? I do not is? know who it is. Okay, now I'm going to believe that Stephen knows who the incredible Dr. Poe is. No. Okay. He's a veterinarian up in Michigan. Oh, I, I think one, I've seen that he's show. One of the it's, be- it's, he's got, it's kind of a cool show. Yeah, he's yeah. great, man. He has I love all these the guy. Like, kooky animal diseases, and he just looks at, oh, well, that dog's got such and such. Yeah, and he, he's really he puts good a glove at on and pulls it out of his nose or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. it's typically not his nose. I know, it, but I tried <laughs> to clean it up for the show a little bit. Just exactly. so you know. Well, why is it every animal malady seems to involve a proctological exam? I don't know. <laughs> it really does. It really does. Yeah, they got to take the temperature and then. They exactly. want a stool sample. Exactly. That's, a, that's always going to be it. Well, because maybe but they because do that to me, too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, I, but with, with, with animals, though, especially dogs, they eat a lot of stupid things. Right, exactly. I mean, they're, exactly. I mean, it, it, it's the portal See, I just mentioned this stuff. In any event. And the whole show follows it. Exactly. <laughs> I, I was driving next to a truck, but then we're going to get back onto real topics. Okay. For some sort of, uh, you know, like a Roto-Rooter type, but it was a different name. Something Rooter. And it says, we, we clear every turd. Literally says it on the side of the truck. <laughs> Listen, well, that sounds like almost something for, uh, you know, your house where you're, you know, you got... Uh, 
What is it? You're not on sept. Yeah, on yeah, septic. Exactly. 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 I got a guy who wants to come out and clean my mine, and he and right. it's called the honey wagon. Oh, is that right? And I was like, yeah, it ain't honey, baby. There you <laughs> go. It ain't honey. Well, you know what? Maybe we should adopt that. That motto for the legislature: We need to clean out some of the turds. Okay, I mean, we've got, we need to pass some conservative bills. And and Paul was making a point during the break about why he thinks government is growing and good bills aren't passing. It's all for the same reason, or at least in part. Well, government lobbyists have an awful lot of influence. And, well, what do you mean by government so, lobbyists? So, Let's be and, clear and, from and, the audience. And technically, they're probably they probably don't qualify as lobbyists under the legal definition. But but what we see down here, those of us who are down here a lot, we've got lots and lots and lots of government bureaucrats who are on government taxpayers. On uh, their time. On their time, mm. driving government vehicles sometimes, Often, I think. Right. And they're coming down here and advocating for their political ideology. For oh, more but must, money. More, be, more, but, but and Paul, it may be more money. Paul, it may be, be, they're probably asking for less money and more responsibility <laughs> and more work <laughs> to be better government, may, Paul. May, Isn't maybe, that what maybe in the Maybe in, in, maybe in one case. Uh, maybe. You know what? That, I think that's rare, one, but one, that does happen. Yeah, I think that's may, one maybe. example more than actually may, exists, maybe, but nonetheless. But, but, but I think the reality is... Let me just give you an example. So the other day I was in, um, I believe it was Senate Judiciary. Senator Alan Clark was running a bill that was going to make it so that you couldn't take someone's driver's license away as a form of punishment. For non-driving. For, for, non-dri- for a non-driving offense. Right. And so, you know, if you fail to show up for court for a littering violation, you know, they can't take your driver's license away. I mean, next time you can't show up to court because you can't drive. So that's that's a stupid thing. And so the director of the state police himself, Bill uh, Bryant, his name, that's his name, isn't it? Bill Bryant. I think yeah. it's something else, but okay. anyway. But anyway, we know. So, so, so it's what we're talking about, though. And so um, the, the director of the state police himself got down at the at the on the table to testify against Senator Alan Clark's bill because he was concerned. That they would lose money from the fines mm-hmm. or from the from the fees associated with that, for crying out loud, we've got a government bureaucrat appointed by the governor advocating for his personal political agenda simply because he's afraid his agency might not just get as much money, so he's going to advocate against a um, yeah it is it is Bill Bryant William Bryant it, it, he's going to advocate against. Bad government policy, an unjust law that takes away someone's driver's license for a crime that's not related to driving. Mm-hmm. And, and the result is twofold. Government grows bigger because bureaucrats come down to the legislature and ask for government to grow bigger. Right. And my tax dollars are going to pay a guy to take off from work. To but do still, that to, and still be, and paid. still be paid. Listen, he's free to come share his opinion. Right. Take, a, take a sick day or whatever the, you know whatever you call it. Uh, I, think, I think what should happen is this, and maybe this is something for you to look into, uh, represent Meeks and run it in two years. But I believe that a uh, person who works for the government should have this do the same things that you do when you serve in the military. The Hatch Act. I can't show up. Uh, when I was in the military, I couldn't show up and testify for or against a bill in the state legislature in uniform. And I couldn't use my uh, rank, my rank uh, in, 
in talking to the people. And I had to come as citizen, Dave Ellswick, and I think that mm-hmm. has to happen. With and you certainly couldn't do it. That, certainly couldn't do it while you're on active duty no. right, on the right. clock. Yeah. Well, while the proper role is, is they should be there to answer questions. So in this case, if there was a fiscal impact to that agency, they should come and let us know what the impact of that fiscal change is going to be. So but that they we, should be asked. Right. They should be asked, and they shouldn't, they shouldn't advocate for the policy. They shouldn't right. be for advocating against. for the policy for or against. They should say, right. here is the impact of that decision so that we can make proper decisions. And, well, that, and, that, and that would be the correct role for right. them. Fa- and I think fa- fact right. gathering. You know, yes, yeah. Representative Meeks is exactly right. They should be presenting facts. But what they right. do is exactly the opposite. They come and advocate. advocate. Right. When I was before state agencies the other day, the, the university came to advocate against free speech for employees. There was a guy that came to advocate. He worked on commission, election commission stuff, I don't know, for the state, and he was advocating against a bill. By the way, I will point out that he said, because someone asked him, well, you know, how quickly do you actually push people through the voting machines? Because it was about time limits on voting. And he said, well, we're not New Yorkers after all. And I had hoped to come up when I testified thereafter on a different bill and say, I am a New Yorker, originally, that is. I'm now an Arkansan, and right. I've actually lived here the longest. But you can't take the, the New York out of me. And, uh, right. and what's, you know. what's interesting about this bill that Alan Clark was running, so apparently they actually adjusted the funding mechanism, so they still got the still got the uh, uh, approximate same amount of money so so they apparently tried to replace that money for them and so he even looked kind of silly there i think right but at the end of the day he was advocating in 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 favor or against policy that was just i believe right solely because he was afraid that he might have to make some adjustments to his budget right right you know and maybe maybe they maybe the government would be able to actually uphold some other laws that would bring them some more funding right if it wasn't for them um enforcing some stupid laws that take people's driver's license away but from you know, them, which make them so they can't pay fines. This raises that broader issue that we touched on before, which is the and I think we spoke somewhat during the break and we were talking about term limits. It seems to me that this legislature and this government too often, not always, but too often, it's the cart leading the horse. You have a bunch of bureaucrats telling a bunch of legislators, this is what you need to do. And they go, yes, oh, you must know. Yes, sir. And it become a bunch of statists. Spinning wheel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a bunch and of bureaucrats running the system, and that was the discussion we had offline right. about term limits that are too short winds up entirely with bureaucrats right. and, running the system. And, and then right. we have all these bureaucrats coming to the table and actually advocating for government policy right. in their official capacity. In their fi- on, on go- government on, dollars. On government there, time. The only time they should advocate in policy is when you know Representative Meeks or Senator Clark or all of them are sitting over in the big building over there before the session begins asking him what are you spending all this money on mm-hmm. and they can look at him and say yeah it's because of this now we could save money if we would do this and i would be you know reticent if i didn't tell you all this blah 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 well, this was the issue with with guns on campus when when charlie collins said uh, look uh, if you get this enhanced license, you can carry a gun on campus. And all of these leftist uh, administrators and leftist academics showed up out uh, of the woodwork. And they said, they? they said, don't tell us what we can do on our campus. Our campus, those are state campuses. Yeah, that is state it's property. Our it's my, and guess who's the boss of that campus? 
Representative Meeks and his colleagues, yeah. they're the bosses. They well, run they're that the property. Landlords. They're the yeah. landlord. Well, we may be, yeah, actually the boss is sitting down on the second floor. Yeah, but, but, in but, conjunction yeah, with you. In conjunction but, with right, you. In conju- right. Yeah, the, the, the only time a, uh, a government official should be advocating for or against a bill is if it comes directly from the governor because they're speaking on behalf of the governor. The governor, so That's obviously he's an elected constitutional official. Constitutional office. And, right. and, and, uh, if someone's making something, for example, that is changing the budget and it's a budget that the governor has said, you know, I want to go this way. Someone's proposing a change this way. The governor says, hey, you come and okay, that that I, that I believe is a proper role because Indeed. they're advocating on behalf of, of the of governor. An elected of an elected well, official. But, so pro- promise me that two years from now you'll have a piece of legislation that's going to really tick off. All of the governmental lobbyists that are out there. Internal. Paid. You know, there are a host of positions in each agency. They're called government relations. Government relations, they're all government. Yeah. These are government they, positions. They should be doing Everybody their government relations. The boss of the office is government relations. Take a, government, take, take a, take a, take a day off work and, and on paid vacation right. or, or unpaid vacation. You know what the government uh, relations office people make, by the way? Six-figure salaries. They make 150 the grand. Business. 150 grand. And their job is to come here and tell the representatives and the senators, well, we need more money and less work. How is that just? And I'll tell you, sometimes that's frustrating to me. That point you made is we'll be sitting over in budget committee and we'll be offering a lot of the conservatives will offer uh, amendments to budgets. And it's almost like the budget committee won't adopt that amendment unless they get permission from the state agency. That's right. And, that's right. It's and it's frustrating because we're the ones that are supposed to be the leaders. And it's like we're asking, you know, Mama, may I please make this adjustment? Amen. And, right. And, 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 and I think the, the, the point earlier made that, you know, they need to be asked to, mm-hmm. to come down and testify. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if they're going to testify on their own take volition, a day off. Mm-hmm. take a day off. Get out take, of uniform. Take your name tag off. Yep. You don't use your official policy. Yeah, your, your, your official show blow citizen title. Yeah, you're you testifying come, as private you're, citizen. You're testifying as a private citizen, and you know that's sorry. Got something in my mouth. Um, that, that's it's one of those things that I come down here. And I spend money, and I lose money. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm, I'm, my business is hurting right now, mm-hmm. while I'm spending time down here to advocate for what I believe in, and I have to compete with my own tax dollars, and especially what's glaring is the Arkansas State Police, mm-hmm. who are actively fighting against our gun rights. They've done it, I think, ever since I've been coming down to the Capitol for what is it, eight or ten years now? All right. All right. All right. Quick break. Come back. Finish up, and we'll let uh, Stephen Meeks go. At the top of the hour, don't forget in the last hour, we'll have Conduit News on with us. And, you know, we're going to have Robert here as well. I've got him duct taped to his chair. we got more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Okay, so I want to talk about something national just for a moment. Mm-hmm. This is out of the Hartford uh, Cornet today. A Connecticut woman says Joe Biden, this is number two now, touched her inappropriately and rubbed noses with her during a 2009 political fundraiser in Greenwich when he was vice president, joined further scrutiny to the Democrat in his history of unwanted contact with women as he ponders a presidential run. Said Amy Lapos, it wasn't sexual, but he did grab me by the head. He put his hand around my neck and pulled me in to rub noses with me. When he was pulling me in, I thought he was going to kiss me on the mouth. Okay, so now question. Is the left 
getting bit in the butt because of their Me Too push that they did? Or is this the liberal left trying to make sure somebody in the mainstream left can't even run for president? Or both. Yeah, or both. That's correct. Maybe. It sounds to me like he's just kind of um, socially inept maybe a little bit socially awkward and he just does things every once in a while that's just kind of uncomfortable to people i know a fellow that um that we used to hang around some and he would kiss my sister but here's the key paul here's here's the key lapos who's 43 now who is a freelance worker with nonprofit agency said quote i felt extremely uncomfortable when Biden approached her at the 2009 fundraiser, with the way people are acting now, with the me, you know, hashtag Me Too and all mm-hmm. of this, is is the left going to literally make it impossible for Biden to run for office? And if so, is it a coordinated effort by women like Warren and Harris and others? To keep him out of the race. Because he's more mainstream rather than far that's hardcore exa- left wing. That's exactly and I, right. I, I think that's possible, but I, I think it's. I think the more likely is, I think the facts seem to be that he's probably harmless, but he's just I don't know. There's a, stupid I, I, and awkward. Look, I think of. he's stupid and awkward, but when you sit and you put your hand on the tush of other women, which that hasn't come out, but there's been plenty of evidence of that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'd say, too, sometimes uh, um, you can get into conspiratorial theories like everyone is trying to gang up to do X, Y, Z. And, you know, we I hear it all the time, you know, lobbyist X, Y, Z has bought you off. And usually the truth is fairly mundane most of the time. And it could just be this woman has decided to come forward with this and there's mm-hmm. no organization conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's the fact yeah, or, maybe, or not. Maybe she just feels comfortable with it because right. maybe she feels that right now that the environment is such that, that she that, can talk that she can, about it. She can talk, talk about, about it. Right. And actually get some traction. Right. And, and so there may, there may be nothing more to it than that. And, mm-hmm. But you're right. There could be. You know, I the, think there's more to it than that. that. So other people could glom on to that and use it for yes, the, they the, could. The, right. the purposes you've stated. Yeah. But did you notice on the Sunday news shows all of the contortions that the left were uh, undertaking uh, to deal with his uh, uh, the claims against him? Uh, None of that nuance was reflected when uh, Kavanaugh was being nominated. Oh no, absolutely no, and I—that's what I'm saying. Oh, I know it. I know it. Well, well, it kind of almost seems like maybe the stuff against Kavanaugh was just bold-faced lies some of them were but 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 even regardless right the point is that they were saying well you got to believe it and this and that and there were just these kind of extreme statements we warren came out and the first woman that came out and said this about biden she says i believe her story okay there's several coming out now saying well i believe her story Mm -hmm. that's not good for biden no no it's not well, if you want to switch gears here for another national yeah, story, some some uh, something that will be of interest to your listeners, Senate Bill 99, which is the Medicaid expansion bill, yes. it failed in the House by 52 votes. Uh, a lot of that, right? It needs 75 to pass because it's an appropriation. Um, a lot of that was because of the ruling that came out last week that uh, 
struck down the uh, work requirement, okay. and, and that was an Obama judge. That was no surprise that that yeah. occurred. And evidently, our governor has been talking with Kentucky, and both our states are going to push the uh, uh, repeal. And uh, I mean, uh, but but push to repeal what? Call the, the repeal the Trump re- administration to repeal to the expansion. Get it done? Re- to, 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 no, no, to appeal that oh, ruling. Appeal. Appeal that ruling. I'm yeah. sorry. To appeal that ruling. And so the the Trump administration is pushing the work requirement. They like that. Yeah. The Trump administration at the same time is also pushing to get rid of Obamacare. And so uh, and, and evidently Utah okay. today passed a work requirement. And so well, there's like 18 states talking about it. Right. And so where we're at here in Arkansas is if with Senate Bill 99, if we go forward with it and say no, we want that work requirement and and pass the Medicaid expansion, which if, if you know most people know that I was not in favor of it, then that will give steam to that appeals process to get it hopefully to the Supreme Court. If we here in Arkansas, if we reject Senate Bill 99. Okay, now I understand where you're coming from. Then... What we're essentially telling the court is, yeah. yeah, we don't need it, and it would kill the work requirement move potentially across the country. Well, you got to push it. There's so, no doubt about right. that. And so uh, just let everyone I will be voting for Senate Bill 99 now, not because I'm a big fan of the expansion, but because I think we need that work requirement in there, and we, we need to support that movement across the country. So when will it come up before the House? Uh, I, I kind of thought it would happen today, but it didn't, so it could be as soon as tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, you got to get got to get this up to the Supreme Court. Yep. I agree. Yep. yep. I agree. And for everybody who thinks that that should be a slam dunk, don't count on the Roberts. No. No, no absolutely not. And, and I'm just saying. <laughs> well, people don't even understand what's going on. The Sunday morning shows largely got the the, the process by which this uh, the Obamacare uh, decision is being overturned. Turned oh, that's wrong. huge. And they got it. Uh, I, I know the judge. Uh, he's in Dallas. Who, who uh, made that decision? I worked with him in the Senate, and it's a very straightforward decision about the unconstitutional nature of Obamacare, and of course the left is, oh, it's crazy, it's crazy. It's really quite a, right. a, a sort of simple decision. I'm not saying one couldn't argue against it, but that's the point. It's one thing to argue against it. It's another thing to say, oh, that was just pure partisanship nonsense. It was right. actually a very technical decision. And so that's going to be a look forward as we get into the 2020 election. That's going to be a main uh, focus of that election because yeah. you're going to have two Supreme Court decisions. This work requirement and the Obamacare requirement are going to both be hitting roughly about that same time. And so expect that because if uh, the Obamacare is thrown out, What's going to be there to take its place? Right. And right. that's going to largely depend on who the people elect well, in 2020. Republicans have got to get their act together mm-hmm. about health care. All right. We've got to get uh, some news in. Then we'll come back. And State Representative Robin Lundstrom just came up. We'll get her on for a few minutes when we come back. All right. We move into the final hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh Paul Calvert has uh, left the premises, but still sitting here with us is, uh, of course, Robert Steinbach. We're joined by Conduit News. They come in on uh, Mondays in the 5 o'clock hour. And just for a moment here, we're going to have uh, State Representative Lundstrom, Robin Lundstrom, on, on the show. And you who have listened to me over the years know that I always pick two people out of each house as the uh, 
the the big uh, the big uh, kahuna, so to speak, as far as conservatism goes. And uh, right now, I can let you know that out of the house, it's Lundstrom and Mayberry. Wow, that's the two. You've been, you know, Representative Lundstrom. You've been great this this session. You've you've run some great bills. You've made some great arguments. I think you were absolutely right on on the minimum wage act. I keep trying to explain that to everybody. Well, you're going against the vote of the people. And I go, look, it's in the Constitution. This is the responsibility of the elected officials. If they see something that shouldn't be happening, they can make changes to it. Sure. That's what our Constitution allows for those checks and balances. Yeah. Those were unintended. Nobody went in the voting booth and said, I want to hurt my nonprofits or small businesses. Or, you know, This is the process. I offered a solution. It wasn't accepted. That's okay. Uh, this is this is how we roll. Well, I congratulate you on it. I really, really do. You did a great job in arguing the point. Over in the Senate, we've got uh, Kim Hammer. Senator Kim Hammer hasn't been real successful on getting the stuff that he was running uh, through, but that doesn't say that he's not a conservative. Oh, my gosh. He, they didn't get through because they were so conservative. Well, this is the problem. I highlighted this. He, he Let's not underplay. Uh, uh, he's had some very good successes. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But, but you're absolutely... The I'm freedom not in, of the speech thing That's started. right. I mean, the Dave Ellswick <laughs> bill. That's your bill, right? But but just to be clear, you know, he's batting like a, you know, a, a one out of three or something to that effect, and he's got another bill that may even be coming back tomorrow, uh, and that's free speech for public employees on their off-duty yeah, time. We yes. definitely want Off-duty time. Off-duty time. That's and you know that the bureaucrats are fighting that, Representative? The, the university came down and said, we can't have that. We don't know what they're going to say on their Facebook posts. But they and, have every right to say what they want. That's right. Facebook. And the Municipal League just came down and made crapola, if I may use that term, <laughs> that scientific term, shinola. <laughs> they made up shinola. They came down and they said, well, that means a cop could go up to someone on the street and, and say uh, uh, discriminatory things to, to him because the bill said it only applies when you're at work, at your place of work. Well, that's your place of work if you're a cop. I mean, let's not be stupid about it. And I got to tell you, this municipal league, which is funded with taxpayer dollars, yep. fun- Funded to a private organization, they are a scam is what they are, and they're coming simply to lobby against anything that wants to shrink government and take government huge tentacles out of your life. And it's 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 an abomination is what it is. All right, is. let us, let us mention well, for... I have friends at the Municipal League, so I'm going to stick up for some of them. Well, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not going to go in there but and go slamming on them because I've worked with them really well. But when, it, when you're on the employer's time, you're on the employer's time. But when you're on your off time, you're on your off time. You have Amen. the freedom of speech. Amen. Um, but... You know, one of the things that when I want to talk about the minimum wage thing is I really appreciate those members who had the courage to stand up and say, we, we can offer solutions. And those members that voted no, that was their option. That This is how we do the House of Representatives and the Senate. Mm-hmm. We provide, we offer bills or we offer a solution to an unintended consequences. And sometimes people like them and sometimes they don't. This is how the process works. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I, I also appreciate couple of representatives uh, that, uh, like I said, were one and two because they weren't afraid to to say things that the governor didn't like. And that's okay, too. We're yeah, supposed I to agree. offer those checks and balances. Yeah. Um, I, I count the governor as a friend, and I happen to disagree with him on this one. I might, I might agree with him on the next one. That is yeah. okay. Yeah. A lot of people don't think so, but I do. 
Hey, uh, we've got Brenda and Joe here. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Good so far. <laughs> I feel All right. cool. <laughs> did, did you guys want to second my opinion of uh, Representative Robin Lundstrom? Yeah, you know, she's been a, a perennial Coolidge Award winner uh, with Conduit for for several years now, and, and uh, we appreciate her. We see her around quite often up here in northwest Arkansas. Absolutely we do. We like her husband, too. I kind of like him too. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to text him into taking me out to dinner tonight before we have whipped tea at eight o'clock. He should do that. Thank you. I'll, I'll let him know y'all said that. So, what are, what are the big things that we should be watching for these last? I don't know, seven days of the session, ten days of the session. There's just a whole lot of things coming. Um, I suspect we'll have amendments to bills. People are trying to get their last minute polishing and finishing touches. I still have a couple of things that that are still going to run. So it's it's just a last-minute dash to the finish. All so right. we'll Everybody, everybody's wondering, who's my number two in the Senate? I, It's so close on number two that I'm not ready to say who number two is. Well, it's really, it's. I'll tell you, it's between two guys, all right? that That's all I'll say. Well, I, th- I think it's probably going to change by the hour as, as time goes by. Yeah, it might. It just might. That, that, that could happen. All right, so uh, the minimum wage now is, is dead. Good mm-hmm. job on what you tried to get done. We appreciate it. Well, I'm anxious to see what's going to happen with some other bills. Um, you know, this is this is an issue. I just talked talk to a reporter. Said, "Was this going to go away now?" And I said, "No. This that was my solution or my offering. Other people may have other offerings. This is not going to go away just because we had a vote. The problems don't go away." So let me ask this question: If you you bring it up in two years from now because now what you've been saying would happen happened mm-hmm. think it has a good shot then of getting passed i have no idea somebody else may have a different solution it may be better who knows no. i i have i don't have a crystal ball okay so we'll see it's the other thing i like about her she doesn't look into the future like i do <laughs> I'm just i'm just saying i just think that it that people are going to ruin the day now, you know, it sounded really good. People love to be able to say, yeah, we'll give them a, a raise. But nobody thinks about the small businessman out there mm-hmm. and what it's going to do to them. Well, 70% of the cost of having a small business is payroll. Yeah, labor. You, you, sure, it's labor cost. And businesses that can afford to increase their employees' pay will do it and attract good employees. And those that can't and have a tight payroll, that's what they can pay. It's it's not rocket science. It's just right. good old fashioned capitalism, and it works. It's the thing that brought most of countries out of poverty. It just is what it is. I had a representative said, "Tell me how I can vote for this teen bill," and I said, "Teens won't have jobs in a few years. Every time you raise the minimum wage, teens lose jobs. All you have to do is Google it, and it, you'll come up with all different types of studies and just good old fashioned math. It works every time." Yeah, I I agree with that uh, whole whole. Heartedly. So I'll let you go. Well, go to thank dinner. You. Well, I'm I'm gonna do just that. Okay. Thank you. We'll see you later. Thank Appreciate you so much, you. Representative. Thanks for coming by. Again, and, and Julie Mayberry, you see her, you tell her she's number two in my book. I will. Thank I, you. And I know that she's not on number two in the governor's book. But that's okay. That's what Tomorrow I like. May change. It could change. Absolutely could change. All right, Brenda and Joe, how are you all doing? You're doing good, you said. But uh, let me let me ask this question of you guys. You know, they're going to have the vote on on uh, you know fighting fighting out uh, on the uh, 
the um, Arkansas works, and if they if they don't push it forward, then uh, it's going to be difficult for the state uh, to push that bill towards uh, the Supreme Court, so that uh, states can can demand that people work uh, to get some of these uh, welfare programs. I heard that Utah just agreed uh, to uh, look to have to have to have people work uh, to be able to get uh, you know the Medicaid. Um, you know, I'm I'm going to I understand what uh, there's going to be people who vote for that bill to force it to the Supreme Court. And I'm not going to punish them for it. I, th- I think that they're doing the right thing instead of holding back their support and basically telling people, ah, we don't care about it. I think we should care about it. It's a, it's a principle we all should care about. Uh, your take on it. Well, I think, number one, that it's unsustainable whether there's a work requirement or not. Number two, the work requirement is a sham. The whole argument is a sham. The numbers don't work. So, for example, if you're a minimum wage person making able-bodied minimum wage employee working more than 30 hours a week, you don't qualify for the expansion anyway. So there's a lot of just ignorance about what this actually is and has been for eight years. Uh, and I don't see that changing. It's just a big government program that they, they rammed through so that they're – Relations could all benefit. I mean, believe me, $2 billion benefits a lot of private people in this state that aren't on Medicaid. And that's what that's what the deal is. And they're going to keep it. And when they say, this is not the way you oppose legislation, well, what other way do you have to oppose it? When, when I mean, you why have- is there a three-quarter requirement? You know, that, that, that's just all, all these are false arguments. To keep functioning... Uh, you know, focusing, excuse me, around the edges just to be able to say, look how conservative it, it now looks and what we've done as conservative small government people. I mean, what a joke when you have just landed $2 billion out of the taxpayers' pockets into a social program that the states bought into, and now we want to try to claim, oh, you know, uh, we need to keep it with these, and, and if we'll just keep it expanded or keep it there, uh, we can make it conservative. I mean, Josh Miller has the right idea. If we just have to have Medicaid expansion, fee-for-service is the way to go. At least the defrauding against the federal government has ended. Well, and, and you cut the middleman out, which is Blue Cross. Uh, you, know, you know what they've done here, and, and your audience probably doesn't keep up with it enough, but we have been proven right 100% of the time since 2013 on this issue. And what you basically got is a guaranteed $600 a month payout for every person on the program versus pay if they get sick, get the same coverage, but there's no insurance profit in it. And if they're not sick, it doesn't cost anything. And they put all the most unhealthy people on the traditional Medicaid to start with. That was part of their deal with Blue Cross. So we've only got the most healthy population on this expansion, and we're guaranteeing to pay 600 a month rather than pay for when they get sick, which uh, empirically have, will, can be shown that it will be much, much less than that. It's, it's, the, it's less with the major population in Medicaid right now in traditional Medicaid. 
And then so, we have the issue constantly of are the numbers valid? Are we keeping the rolls purged just from the the, yeah, the, the, the blatant, uh, blatant people? Fraud that, plus know. the abuse by all the people that won't pass a Medicaid uh, transparency bill if they're getting money in their campaigns for Medicaid or they're working as consultants for a healthcare company, they don't want to tell you about that. I mean, Robert's talked about transparency this entire session, and he's done a great job, by the way, Robert. But, I mean, if you want to talk transparency, Medicaid uh, disclosure bill is where we should all start. I mean, otherwise, there are no ethics, there's not anything else that's, you know, believable in Little Rock this year. Well, but they all know that in Little Rock, and they don't want to do it. But what, what most people don't know outside of Little Rock is the health insurance companies have made record profits since this thing started in Arkansas. And they are essentially guaranteed a 20% profit on this expansion population. And they're the healthiest so, of all that are on Medicaid. So, so let me jump in. For all these healthcare companies, you see every hospital's building on, healthcare clinics are popping up everywhere. And the next thing that's going to happen, another prediction, is, oh, these healthcare places are going to close if we don't have more money because they've overbuilt them. Taj Mahal hospitals on every corner, it's amazing in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, and I, everybody's I making it except the taxpayer. Federal All right, so let me, let, me, let me ask this question, Joe, then. What you're saying that you back Josh Miller's 1929 and let this other bill that uh, the governor would like to see uh, passed to push forward to uh, be able for the states to be able to require payment from uh, recipients. Is that correct? Negative. No, it, regular Medicaid is for the poor. Medicare is for old. Medicaid is for poor. Medicaid okay. has been around for a long time, since the 60s. I guess 65. 65. And that's for people at this level of poverty, according to the feds. Well, what they've done is they've said with Obamacare, they've, they've tried to require states to raise that to 138% of poverty instead of 100% or wherever it was. So the states bucked up and, and sued the government. The Supreme Court said, okay, Obamacare is fine, Judge Roberts, thank you, but you cannot force states to expand the, the rules for Medicaid. Well, Arkansas got the bright idea of we're going to do it anyway. And we're going to make money off the federal government by doing it because we're smart. And then now you've got this special program that they're buying insurance. Well, if they'd have just put them on the same system that all the other Medicaid, the 600 plus thousand Arkansans that are on it, is when you go in, they pay for it. And, and Arkansas pays 30%, the federal government pays 70, roughly. And that's traditional, that's but traditional. that would not be the Medicaid expansion. It would that's be right. 90 or the, go up to... The Medicaid expansion population, the federal government agreed to give it to us for 100% reimbursement for several years, and with the Arkansas insurance premium tax, which is really awesome, uh, that they're, they're now clipping the federal government for 2.5% going into the general fund. So now you've got all these people that are on this program, We they say you can't say, hey, get a job, and, we, you know, this is too much. We're going to end this welfare program. Nobody's got the cojones to do that. So I guess the answer would be yes, as the best option available to us right now, 
let's do Josh Miller's plan of let's forget this private option, cut out the middleman, cut out all the money going to the legislature. The insurance policies. The insurance policies, which the state owns, not the people. And then put them all on traditional Medicaid with a 90-10 reimbursement rate. That's, that's the best solution with what we have to have that I can see. The best solution right. is say if you're able-bodied and healthy, go get your own insurance or start county hospitals on a county-by-county county basis. And whatever the people in that county want to pay, that's what you get for nothing. All right. That's Let's my solution, it. but that's I got to get a break do. in. All right. Got to get a break in. Then we'll come back. We're going to talk more with uh, Brenda and Joe. Robert Steinbach is here as well. Dave Ellswick, third floor, house side, more in a moment. All right, we've got two minutes remaining here uh, in this segment uh, of the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got Brenda and uh, we have uh, Joe up in northwest Arkansas from Conduit News, conduitnews.com. That's where you'll find their website. You can check out all of their articles. they got good articles that uh, you, you guys publish, but what, every day? Or is it kind of, well, I mean, you're there every day, but uh, new articles appear maybe every other day. Is that about right? That's right, about two or three times a week. And today, the uh, Week 11 scorecard has, has gone out. And we'll have some other uh, articles, you know, about certain t- topics probably two or three times this week. Okay, well, when we come back, because we've got news coming up now in one minute, uh, let's talk about your all's uh, report card or your scorecard and uh, tell us the winners and the losers that you have uh, up on uh, the, you know, the website uh, today. We'd be appreciative of, of doing that. Oh, yeah, that, we have, a, we're, you know, endorsing or uh, supporting a Democrat's bill, so we can't wait to talk about that. Okay, well, I've endorsed a couple this session, to be honest with you. One of them from Joyce Elliott. And Clowney got one of all the people that I would endorse to have Clowney is kind of amazing for me. All right, so 30 seconds. we got news coming your way. When we come back, Brendan and Joe will be back with us. Robert will be back with us as well, see what he has to say about some of the things that he's been watching. I'm going to ask him who he gives high marks to in the Senate and into the House as well. We'll get to all of that uh, because we're getting close to the end of the session now. It's going to end next week, I I will predict, and uh, it'll be all over with. All right, let's get to the news. We'll do that right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, the Dave Ellswick Show. Third floor on the in the Capitol on the House side. Last half hour, 25 minutes left of the show for today. The folks from uh, Conduit News are with us, Brendan and Joe, doing their thing up in northwest Arkansas. We were talking about their website. We were talking about uh, their articles. They've got a scorecard they've had running during the whole session. And uh, then I'm going to bring in Robert here in a moment. I'm going to ask him who he thinks were some of the best in the Senate and some of the best in the House. We're going to do that. Yeah, and I want Brendan and Joe, uh, Senator Hammer has a bill still in uh, the Senate, uh, and Bob Ballinger ran it and then pulled it to make some slight revisions last Thursday, I think it was. But get this, and I really want your input in this because I'm, I'm starting to pull my hair out. The bill says very controversially that on your free time, at home, in your pajamas, eating popcorn, when you're on your Facebook page, if you post something on your Facebook page, 
uh, page, some bureau hack can't go and say you're fired. And by the way, here are some of the things that you could be posting on your Facebook uh, page. Conservative Christian Judeo-Christian values like I happen to be against, and this is not me speaking. I'm just articulating examples. He's talking I, about me. I'm talking about Dave Ellswick. Um, <laughs> i got to say it that way, like on the show, Dave Ellswick. Um, conservative values like you happen to be against gay marriage, or you happen to think that a transgendered woman, meaning someone born with male uh, genitalia, uh, um, shouldn't be able to go into the girls' bathroom at a public junior high school. X, 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 Y. Right. Separate. Those, those different uh, chromosomal uh, combinations. And I've got pushback. We've got pushback from all, surprise, surprise, the municipal league, a bunch of lefties that want to control what you think, what you do at all times of the day. The University of Arkansas sent down one of its attorneys on government time to argue against it because they apparently want to tell their employees what they're allowed to say on their Facebook page. And there was at least one state senator who said, well, you know, the, we, we, we can't let that happen. And when I gave the examples, he said, well, that, that, that is a should be that is uh, protected by the first amendment and i said no no it's not in fact the university of arkansas gave a rather pedantic lecture on what the first amendment encompasses but they aptly characterized the fact that no they can fire you and here's the standard by the way everybody who thinks the first amendment is so powerful here's the standard if you're a government employee if it's something regarding private matters no first amendment protection done out if it's regarding a public matter, uh, you go, oh, okay, well, this might be public matters. Oh, unless we in the public institution say it's disruptive for you to talk about that, which means everything that they don't like. And these left-wing bureau hacks want to control what you think, what you do when you're at home in your footsie pajamas on your Facebook. What do you think about that? I think every opportunity we have to exercise rights of free speech, we can't let it pass. And I think you need to get out there and let everyone know the condition of uh, our legislature who's letting this, you know, falling for this stuff. Well, and, and I guess it all really boils down to there's a subjective arbiter of the speech then, always. That's right. So if That's the pendulum right. swung the other way, would they still like that? No, and it's a bunch of leftist bureau hacks. You're exactly right, Joe. You're exactly right. It's a bunch of leftists who are going to decide. For any free people. Yeah. It's it's the people that don't love freedom that would be against this. I mean, our problem is, Robert, you're old enough, even though you and I have not met, I can't say exactly how old I am. Too old. That's how old I am. You're old enough (laughs) to have a memory of what Mm -hmm. uh, freedom looks like. And a lot of the people that we deal with now don't have that memory, or else they're hoping no one does. No, they don't. That's right. That's exactly right. They've been they've been taught that freedom isn't really total freedom. Oh no, it's it's a freedom as defined by the leftists. The university came and testified and they said, "Another problem with this bill is that even though we're allowed to regulate speech inside the workplace, we're only allowed to regulate it quote reasonably." Wait, wait what? So you so you want to be able to regulate it unreasonably? They, they want total well, domination. It's nobody's business, is, uh, particularly for government. I mean, in, in the private industry, I could see that someone says, if oh, this person right, is totally like different. this and says these things outside of work, I don't want to be associated with them. Totally different. I get that that's part. Right. That's right. But that's not but they, the government. Exactly, government is exactly a public right. Entity, and 
They should be the other way, opposite of that. And you should exploit your freedom at all times when you're not at work. That's exactly right. And Joe points out quite clearly and correctly, uh, private employers get to decide who's the public employer. We are. That's why some hack stuck in the middle shouldn't be deciding what our values are. There are no our values when it comes to the perspective of a hack. A hack shouldn't be telling me what I can say on my Facebook. You don't want to hire me for your private company? That's fine. That's because it's your private company. You can hire whoever you want as long as you're not uh, breaking discrimination laws. Uh, But these bureau hacks, who, by the way, are a bunch of embedded leftists being protected by a bunch of statist so-called conservatives in the legislature, want to be able to tell a bunch of school teachers that they can't go home at night and put on their Facebook pages their personal opinions about, say, gay marriage or transgender bathroom use. And I pick those just to point out issues that are in existence today. Yeah, yeah, the hot issue. The description of that. It's the subjective nature of the people that are arbitrating the judgment of what can and can't be said outside of work. They have That's their right. own judgment that they're imposing. That's exactly and right. In their textbooks, even. Yeah, That's and, exactly, and that's exactly right. the opposite of what they're promoting. That's exactly right. It's so, a bunch anyway, of leftists. That's, that's how we feel about that one. Well, a- 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 amen, brother. Well, well, this bill is going to be coming up again, I hope, soon. And I hope we see some movement from these would-be statists. I'm, I, I told uh, Representative Lung- Lungstrom and Representative Meeks that I must say, at this point, even though I had been saying to you guys, and you guys kept me in check, by the way, on this, I kept saying this is the most conservative legislature uh, in, in the uh, country right now, and you guys kept saying to me, on paper, and guess what? You're right. Because we have done some conservative things, and this gets back to Dave's question. Boy, it's been a long way to get there, but it gets back to Dave's question. We've got good conservative bills from Senator Hammer, good conservative bills from Bob Ballinger, who can't even pass Stand Your Ground. It's not his fault. We can't even pass Stand Your Ground. California has Stand Your Ground, and we can't even pass Stand Your Ground. We've got good conservative bills from Dan Sullivan in the House. Uh, there are plenty of others, and I apologize uh, for not remembering all their names, but this legislature as a body has done a fair to middling job at passing conservative bills. We have seen no conservative guns bills passed, and we have seen very limited free speech bills passed. And it, and the only one that really passed well was da- the Dave Ellswick Freedom of Speech Bill. If it wasn't for Dave and Bob Ballinger and Kim Hammer and Dan Sullivan, it wouldn't even that wouldn't have passed. And it's just it's a disappointment uh, in this regard. I'm not saying overall. I'm still on the fence, but I'm not seeing the conservative values that I would like to see see out of this legislature and we got two years by the way till the next session and i'm going to be talking about it i'm going to be naming names i wrote to one legislator recently and i said hey you know there's this good bill it's not moving we need your support in the bill and his response was well that bill's not going to pass well not if you don't support it don't give me your third person description of what's happening you're in the mix of it and I'm going to hold you and all of the legislators to account. We'll see what, what force I have. Maybe I'm just a bunch of hot air in the wind and it won't have any effect. But I got to tell you, Dave Ellswick's got a lot of effect. Dave, Dave Ellswick's got the, the, uh, the Dave Ellswick free speech bill passed. And I'm going to be whispering in Dave, Ellsby, Dave Ellswick's ear and being talking on his show. And I think it will have effect. So these legislators that they think they can stay under the conservative radar and not get anything done when they're supposed to be cutting taxes – 
increasing freedom of speech, increasing gun rights. Uh, we're going to be calling them out. And guess what? Two years from now, when some of them are up for re-election, good luck getting our support. Well, I'll tell you, the, uh, the gold standard will be coming out in July, the conduit uh, awards. Good. Uh, so that we do every, every two years. Uh, we'll have our uh, Coolidge Awards down there in Little Rock, and, and we will rate and rank all the legislators. Uh, and then, of course, Hendron's shot vow scoring the scorecards will be coming out after that, I'm sure, because you know, he, he feels he needs to score the scorecards for the people. Uh, be that as it may, the, you know, we're talking about who's good and who's not good. Uh, there's a lot left to be done, and they've saved some big ones for the end, like the uh, Internet tax bill. And I suspect enough pressure will be applied this week to get it really close to passing. Uh, we're hoping that people will will stand up and not vote for that like the Senate did in the House. I hope the House can save us because, I mean, that's the big picture. You know, we can talk about all these other bills, and they're important, but when they come and get your money and they get it forever, then that that's huge. And that's going to be one of the most heavily weighted votes in our scorecard. That's because right. it involves a lot of money and it involves a lot of deception. There's another we'll scorecard, uh, Joe, that we'll I talked about. Can, you know, run with the big dogs when, when this vote happens. And we've heard, you know, comments from legislators, well, it's going to pass. Well, it's going to pass. That, that's what I'm and talking about. This is the third person that's going to. Votes. And I think exactly. that's what you're talking about, Robert. We have to hold legislators accountable to the words out of their mouth. Uh, it should match their votes. And this, this will exactly be very right. important to prove uh, to our Kansans that what Conduit and people like now, sounds like you're seeing the light, have, have been shining light on what's going on with these votes, not just trying to stir up dissension. Well, here, here's another example. There's a bill that has passed, I believe. Is it that tobacco tax deal passed yet? Which it, I don't it, know it if it passed, but yeah. I don't know if that's oh, passed yeah. yet or we, not. We have heard... You know, leadership talk about we need to tax tobacco products yeah. to pay for all the health problems that are caused by tobacco. Would right. you say I, that's I'm, true? Well, by the way, they're just wrong. I, I hate tobacco. I think tobacco is poison. I think it's devastating. I've seen the things it's done to people. With that said, the evidence is clear that people that use tobacco die more cheaply than people that don't because they get cancer and they drop dead pretty quickly. So the notion that you're making them pay for their expenses is actually simply false. And I don't think people well, we'll should be smoking. How much money yeah. they save on Social Security for us. <laughs> They save money. They save money. They drop dead cheaply. You remember the tobacco settlement that all the states got? Yeah, the ones they used to build the highways with? Yeah. Yeah, well, they they transferred that out to the rainy day fund or the governor's discretionary fund. And the highways and all stuff that had nothing to do with tobacco. Which is for this alleged care. So now that's gone. And now they say, we got to raise a tax to pay for these people that are causing health costs to go up? Well, they just it's stole just the f- money and put it in other funds. And now <laughs> all I mean, broke. We need more money Joe- from these people. I mean, that, this is the kind of insanity that these people do, and it works. 
on the most voters. Well, who can keep up with all that? I mean, that well, that's a good point. Well, right, that's yeah. a good point. Who, who keeps Trump up with the fact that they've already collected all this money twice over? Too depressing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. If you want a good time, tune in to Conduit News in the mornings. That'll start your day out wrong. Listen, Joe, I'm, I, I, I want to emphasize this point. I think smoking is a terrible, terrible habit. But the, fa- the fact is you got people addicted to this garbage, tobacco. They die more cheaply than if they didn't smoke. And we want to stick it to them because we want to say, we don't like what you do. I don't like that they smoke, but that's not my – I'm not their mothers, their reverends, their pastors. I'm not here to tell them what to do and what not to do. And the only conservative claim against them is if you're caught costing me money, then you should pay for that externality. But they're not. They're saving me money. That's the irony well, now, of it all. Remember that when we had private insurance that was not overregulated, they charged smokers more for their health insurance, which is the right thing to do. And uh, well, let me give you another little tidbit. Dave will like this one. On, on my annual heart checkups that I do these days, since I've hand-packed into doing that, is I, my doctor, heart doctor, always says, you know, you should quit smoking. And I tell him very clearly, more people, history tells us that more people have been killed by trying to tell other people how to live than, than have ever been killed by smoking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, got to take a break. When we come back, I want to hear a couple of people that you guys want to give uh, high fives to for what they've done here in the, the last uh, few weeks. And same thing with you, Mr. Uh, Robert Steinbach. Ballinger, Hammer, Sullivan. We got, Ballinger, we're coming back. Hammer, Sullivan. We're coming back in just a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we're down to seven minutes, so I'm going to give three minutes to each of you. For Joe and for Brenda, give me... Th- Give me a couple names from the Senate and a couple names from the House of the people you think have been doing it right. Joe, Brenda, are you there? I, I like more than their votes. I, I like a, a few bills, or I think Josh Miller's bill, you know, and trying mm-hmm. to do an alternative to uh, the work requirements. Let's just pay for fee-for-services for, for yeah, Medicaid. Yeah, 1929. I think, think he really deserves a lot of credit for that. I think that Doug House made a great speech on the floor regarding dark money. Um, you know, it's a really good job. Grant Hodges deserves a lot of credit for the speech he made on the floor last Friday, I believe, or Thursday, excuse me, about work requirements, the appropriation of the bill. Uh, I, I appreciated Trent Garner, uh, even though I haven't agreed with some of his votes, but I think he's done a good job regarding he gave a good speech the other day on uh, SB 99. And... Um, you know, I think the Senate overall has um, not lived up to um, their push cards. <laughs> I'll right. let Joe give you somebody that he's appreciated this session. Oh, it's too early for me to tell. I appreciate all of them as human beings, but I, I certainly appreciate some for their efforts. But, you know, I don't get paid for efforts, and I don't think of rewarding people for efforts just results. Okay, let me turn it over to Robert then. Well, we talked I hear about that speech daily. I bet you do, right, uh, Robert? Yeah, we, we, we talked uh, uh, before the break. I um, was emphasizing the uh, point that it was um, Kim Hammer, right? Uh, a, a very strong conservative. Uh, Bob Ballinger, uh-huh. uh huh. Dan uh, Sullivan, a very strong conservative. Uh, Bob Ballinger as well. I, I don't want to t- t- distinguish. 
these folks at all. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I think that uh, you had mentioned during the break, and I agree with you, uh, Gary Stubblefeld has done a very good job at showing uh, conservative values. Uh, and we need a more um, – and, of course, Representative Womack, right, who yep. introduced the, the guns bill uh, in the House, and we can't pass a darn guns bill in this legislature. And don't tell me that the laws are easy and settled and well done. They're not. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. And we can't pass a darn guns bill, and it's disgusting. And we can't, we can't pass Stand Your Ground. I wrote, uh, I texted to Bob Ballinger. I said, you know, Bob, I feel like I'm back in New York where I'm originally from or maybe in California. Bob said, you're wrong. California passed a Stand Your Ground bill. We are more left than California. On guns. On guns. But you know what? There aren't that many issues, Dave. There's guns, there's life, there's taxes, and there's free speech. Those are the pillars of conservative values. And where are we on that? We're good on life. Yeah. We're good on life. We're mediocre on guns. Mm -hmm. Um, We are mediocre on free speech. If we get through this other bill, we'll be super on free speech. That's right. That's right. But I'm not. I, listen, I'm not holding my breath. I'm not counting my chickens. I am not counting my chickens. All right. And and where are we on taxes? Let's ask the conduit folks. Yeah, we know where we're on taxes. We're not. We're leading in yeah, the we're wrong on area. On taxes. That's correct. Well, we are. You know, if you can just hold on to. 2028, I think you'll get to see a tax cut. Um, I mean, how ridiculous! I, I, I have to hold my breath to keep from saying a lot of words against us to, you know, being asked to believe that. All right. Last thing. I've got two minutes. On Roby Brock's program, I think it was two weeks ago, the governor was asked if he was done, you know, with politics after he was uh, done as governor. And he uh, basically said no. And the only thing that I can think of is that He's looking to run for Senate. You think he wants Bozeman's seat? Well, him and, him and three or four others. <laughs> Fighting the family for it. Yeah, they'll, they'll get together in the back room and decide who's, who's turning it, possibly. <laughs> okay. But, to but run? I, think, I, I like the random phone book as the ballot. <laughs> All right. I'm with you. All right, Joe and, and Brenda, thanks so much for being part of the Dave Ellswick Show. And Joe, thank you for that last joke. That was good. Brenda, thank you for your uh, thank you for your April Fool's joke earlier today to me because I'll tell you what, you got me with it. And my my my, my jaw my jaw hit the floor. With, for the internet sales tax. Yeah, she she texted yeah, me well, that and I uh, said, "Oh, say what?" On the radio with you, and, and it, it's fun to talk about these issues. But uh, I, you know, I just hope people will will educate themselves and keep tuning in because we got lots more. I agree. I appreciate y'all. Thank you much. See you next Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hopefully, the last week of the general session. God bless, Mister. Mr. Steinbach. Yes, sir. How are you feeling right now? You're going to feel a lot better if they can get that other freedom we of speech bill. We've got to pass bill. this free speech bill for public employees. What number is that? Do you know? Uh, SB 236. Call your state senators, particularly those on the state agencies committee. All right. There you got it. I'll be back with you, too, tomorrow. Power panel's in. Jan Morgan will be here. She's got a story about Facebook you got to hear. We'll have uh, on tomorrow Ed Monk, who has been... uh, He's great. Well, he's taken a beating here at the Capitol a couple of times. 
And uh, so bottom line, it's going to be a whole lot of fun uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show tomorrow. Bible guys tomorrow as well in the final hour. We've already got five questions. You want a question? You just uh, email it to me, bibleguys at salemlr.com. See you tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.